Welcome back to Rogue Opinions, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jimmy Baxter, and today uh, we have a nice little, uh, nice little three-person scramble going on here as we go to review AEW's next pay-per-view, their fourth uh, event in a row, AEW All Out, live from Chicago, Illinois. And today I am joined by Nathan Greenaway. Hey, hey, hey. And Scott McLeod. Hello. All right, guys. Now we've we've uh, we've all seen AEW all out. Nathan, this was your first experience with AEW. So, just overall, what was your impression of this budding new company coming out of uh, Chicago this time around? Uh, yeah, really enjoy. I did really enjoy the show. Uh, there's a few things that we'll talk about as we go through that I do think are issues at the moment, but they're easily resolved. But it was certainly a pretty damn, pretty damn good show. If not, perhaps a smidge too long. But otherwise, I enjoyed it. I didn't know who seventy-five percent of the people were, but now I do. So I'm better for it. Yeah, we all learn more and more each and every day. The more you know, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Scott, uh, your impressions of now you've now this isn't your first go around with AEW, uh, of course, but. Uh, this time, were there any, uh, just presentation-wise, let's start there, I guess, uh, anything that was improved, anything that still needs to be improved that you saw? Yeah, I do think that, like, there's some things that need to be kind of improved, like presentation-wise, like the way some of the camera work was done, like particularly in like the first uh, buy-in match. But like overall, like any issues that I do have with it, I don't think it's anything that's going to really put me off watching uh, AEW like, going forward, because... While they're still clearly very early, but you can tell that in each, with each event, uh, the, they've got they've got a lot of good stuff behind them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, this this now uh, I've made my opinions on Fight for the Fallen very clear um, mm. on previous podcasts. So if you guys haven't gone back and listened to that, go back and listen to all of our other content over in our archives on your podcast feed. Uh, plug, plug, plug. Um, and um, yeah, I guess you guys want to get straight into it. Let's do this. All right. AEW's all-out buy-in show started at around 7 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, we kicked it off with the well, what used to be called the over-the-budget battle royal, but has now been turned into the casino battle royale. This time, it's the women. Uh, the winner uh, will be advancing on to uh, compete for the first-ever AEW Women's Championship. Um, now, this had 21 women in it and uh, a lot of action going on in a lot of different directions. But uh, as we've seen, Nyla Rose ended up coming away with the victory, um, giving giving Scott an early lead in our <laughs> predictions contest. Uh, uh, so Nyla Rose is instantly my least favorite wrestler on the, the roster for that reason <laughs> and that le- reason alone. Um <laughs> But yeah, so Nyla Rose came out the winner. Scott, I'm going to go to you first because you ended up getting the uh, the point and the predictions for this. What did you make of the uh, women's uh, casino battle royale here? The something really helps your investment in wrestling. If you're trying to get invested in a show, just predict it with somebody. That really helps. I found because not only did I have like the prediction with you, Jim, but I had one going with my friends as well. And even with them, none of them thought Nyla Rose would win. So instantly, as soon as she won. I was straight to my feet then, yes! <laughs> given it was like after 12, somebody somebody was probably woken up. It's, I didn't give a shit. But, but that aside... It does it does help to have a little skin in the game. 
like mm-hmm. no matter what, what it is, like if you have a little wager going or a little predictions contest, it does tend to make things more interesting. Yeah, I think I, I went for Nyla Rose because I thought she was a bit of a. I felt she was kind of an out there effect because she's had some focus on her, but she's not been the focused one. Like a lot of people chose Britt Baker. I think the main focus in the women's division has kind of been on her. She won the first ever women's match at, at double or nothing. Uh, I think Brett may have been a bit too obvious why I went for Nyla. Uh, one thing I would say about this match is that's one of my complaints about the camera was this match because the camera like, kept cutting away from when women were coming out. So like, it's like, going to be kind of hard to keep up with like, who's coming in each each bit. Because like, you hear the crowd reacting to somebody coming out. But, like You're watching like, well, cut to the entrance and I see who it is. And uh, like one thing I will say about the, the number 21, uh, I don't think anybody... Could have, could have predicted to was come at number twenty one. Yeah, uh, I, it was interesting to see that uh, they ended up getting uh, Mercedes Martinez uh, to come in, and she got a huge reaction when she showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a very very interesting turn of events. I thought maybe that Tennille Dashwood or you know one one of the people that uh, had been rumored uh, to appear might have been coming out last, but good surprise with Mercedes Martinez. Um, uh, Nathan, uh, this being your first introduction to what it what they're calling the casino battle royale what was your opinion on their version of the battle royal yeah it was, it's different i would have preferred having literally someone shuffling a deck of cards at the top of the ramp and then like <laughs> screaming out what suit is or if we could just wheel out tony khan <laughs> or somebody like that uh, just to literally shuffle a deck of cards i always find it funny when wrestlers aren't allowed to fight each other so you just get all these women who are about to go beat the shit out of each other, strutting down for the ring because they're suit heart or something, and then they can't actually like punch each other till they get down to the ramp. But then that did happen because Ali, who was was it Ali who went after Brandy Rhodes? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and last time I saw Ali, she was being murdered in Impact, so mm-hmm. I was happy to see that she wasn't dead. Uh, but other than that, I, I think it's a cool concept, but the camera work. Uh, made it a bit of a mess at times for me because I didn't really know what was going on at some points. But there were some nice surprises to Neil Dashwood. I thought she would have got kind of a bigger spot in the match, but she is contracted to Impact, so maybe she's not sticking around. Uh, ODB, that was a cool one for any old-school TNA fans. And uh, But yeah, I, I did like the match, and I don't know if it's the right winner or not. You guys will have to tell me. Um. I think uh, Nyla Rose winning is probably, especially with uh, later on with the uh, the other women's match that determines uh, her opponent. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, first uh, AEW women's title match when they get to TV in a month's time. Uh, it being September second as we record this. Um, but yeah, any uh, either of you guys anything else you guys want to say about the uh, battle royale? I was kind of surprised that Teal Piper. Didn't get as much of a, of a showcase. Like I think I almost missed when she got eliminated because like they made this big deal about her coming in. They spotlighted her on the their Road to All Out uh, documentary about like how her, her dad originally encouraged her not to get into wrestling, as most second generation wrestlers are encouraged not to do. Uh, and so she goes, well, I didn't think she'd win it. I think she'd get like a couple like featured spots in the match and then be thrown out maybe with like Awesome Kong or something like that. But like. She didn't really get take up much of a focus. Yeah, um, and and another thing that ended up going um, going against it a little bit is, like you guys were saying with the uh, 
the the camera work we ended up missing a lot of the eliminations like almost almost all of them from what i remember yeah i don't know it's uh yeah. it, it was it was interesting on this buy-in i mean even between just the pre-show and the main show there was definitely differences in the way that it was shot and the way like the way that they would cut around to things a lot of uh, a lot of frantic motion with the camera work um but as we yeah. continue as I'm we continue per- on I'm here, person, so uh, jazz okay. can we talk about jazz oh yeah i mean she looks like a fucking badass doesn't she she looks terrifying yeah, <laughs> when she came out, I was like, she's winning. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, she didn't do a hell of a lot. Uh, I thought Brandy Rhodes is she's really good at stretching out her arms and dancing around. <laughs> okay. I, thought, I was like, cool, you got a cool taunt. <laughs> you did it like five times, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty cool. But there was a moment where I was like, is Brandy gonna win this? And I was like, she better fucking not. <laughs> There was that there was that poll that came out uh, uh, like like a couple of days before the show where it was like, what do you think of Brandy Rhodes uh, being the first AEW women's champion? And it was like overwhelmingly negative yeah. where they were like everybody was like, fuck, no, no, no. Not even Stephanie McMahon ever did that, like, although she was women's champion at one point. But that was like 19 years ago. <laughs> uh, hey, spoilers, spoilers. We're going to get to that. OK. <laughs> I have no oh. idea what you're, what you're talking about. I mean, sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, bit of a bit of news coming out fr- uh, earlier today, I believe it was. Uh, word was coming out that uh, B. Priestley and uh, the other woman's name is escaping me at the moment. I'm gonna try and look it up real quick. Um, there was like a physical altercation in, in the back uh, after. The show took place. Uh, did you guys hear about this at all? Are you talking about uh, Britt Baker? No, not so. Britt Baker. Uh, you would think so. Um, I'm trying to. I know this is great radio. Um, <laughs> are we talking I, work? Are we talking work or shoot, brother? No, shoot. This apparently this is oh, a shoot because they were shoot, brother. Shoot, shoot, shoot. A, Whoever's editing is. Sh- it was some, a shooter. Get some gunshots sh- going now. <laughs> now. Um, oh, shoot, brother. <laughs> uh sadie gibbs b Priestley uh, and sadie gibbs were no selling each other during the uh during the battle royale itself uh you can actually see it like literally like you can see it where they were both just not selling any like sadie gibbs actually shared it on her own instagram of neither of them selling each other's offense and then apparently once they were both eliminated they got into the back and just started like fighting one another um it, it's interesting to see that you know like that this is kind of thing still goes on in certain places but i get it this is you know like a new promotion everybody's sort of fighting for their spot um but what do you guys make of uh the, this this big brawl that happened to take place that i mean we didn't even get to see it but judging on what happened in the ring during the battle royal with the two of these women um like you know i mean normally backstage fights are reserved for the for the current reigning defending aew world champion um and his fat bloated drunken ass um but yeah, what do you guys make of this this fight that like came out? Oh, I just can't wait to see P Beastly in the Impact Zone. <laughs> she gets fired, and uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know who Sadie Gibbs is. <laughs> Which one was she? Uh, she's one of the blonde women. I, I already uh, got rid of. Okay. I mean, if you look it up on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, you go over on the gram, um, you go check out. Uh, Sadie Gibbs has uh, shared um, a video of some of the stuff that went down 
down between them. And uh, yeah, it's straight up no selling. It's ridiculous. Um, I think it's just kind of just kind of sad. Just be professional when you're in front of a paying crowd and obviously the paying people at home as well. Just be professional yeah. there and do what you want in the back, but don't take into the ring. People have paid their hard-earned pennies to come mm. watch, come watch the show. So leave it in the back. It's not the 1980s anymore. Like grow up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I'm interested to know this guys. Are we doing ratings for these matches? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, if I had to give you, if I had to ask you guys for a rating for this, uh, the Battle Royal, what would you guys give it? Uh, well, I'm going to give it the Seagull Slots and Suites ho- uh, Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas, which is a two out of five on TripAdvisor. <laughs> okay. All right. Scott, what about you? <laughs> uh, oh, God, I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I actually have uh, no idea. I'm blanking right now. I, I got I got one. So you 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 guys uh, you guys have pigs in a blanket over there. You guys eat those a lot. Yeah. Hell, hell yeah. Okay. So this is like you're at a party and like a tray of pigs in a blanket came over, but like they took the food out too early, so it's like the like the the dough around it has gotten all like crusty and like the hot dogs are kind of like cold and everything. There's a lot of them, and if you ate them, you would get full, but like it's just cold and unappealing. I'll go on, actually. I'll go on reading first. I would give it, like, you're eating a low-fat or, like, less sugar version of something you actually enjoy. And it's not that the thing you're eating is now is bad or that, like, it's, like, terrible by comparison, but, like, you just feel something's missing. And that missing is the fact that the camera keeps missing shit. So this is probably why I don't, <laughs> is probably why I don't remember the whole Sadie Gibbs incident, because I probably didn't see it. Yeah, it did jump, it did jump around a lot. Um... Speaking of jumping around, we move to the second match on the the kickoff. Private Party taking on Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, it was it was very interesting for me to see um, these two teams uh, fight one another uh, because I have called matches for uh, both of these acts. Um, Jack Evans wrestled in Violent and Suffering a few months back, and Helico has been around the area for a little while. Private Party wrestled in my area for like a, a couple of years at the very least. Um, and this match was just, I mean, super entertaining. Um, I loved this match. Uh, really great to see these guys doing what they do on such a big stage. There was a lot of like, maybe if they had had a little bit more time to work together, work, work this match out a little bit, uh, it would have been a little bit better, but I enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, Nathan first uh, on this one. Nathan, what Nathan, what'd you think of uh, Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans? Yeah, there was some really cool offense in this match. That's some really inventive stuff, uh, particularly from Angelico and uh, sorry, what's his tag team partner called? Jack Evans. Jack Evans. Sorry. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff from them. They had some great outfits as well. But I was thinking Angelico, that full body, he's going to be hot under those lights. <laughs> like he's going to be a sweaty boy after that. <laughs> but. Uh, that's a really cool stuff. Private party. I didn't really know. <laughs> was it you, Jimmy? I messaged the other day when you sent me your predictions to put up, and I said it's private party, a match type, or a tag team. <laughs> I don't I know mean, what it was. <laughs> I've seen I've seen them wrestle in what is like called a private party match too, um, oh, okay. where there's like a lot of like they used to come to the ring uh, with somebody who would come out with shot glasses on a tray that they had like a little like waiter with them. 
they had like a shots person uh, that used to come out because they're billed from an area, from a location that you need an invitation to. And these guys are just fucking fantastic. I love them to pieces. And every time they do like the over the, the overhand sort of like close fist shots to the head, the whole crowd will go shots, 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 shots. It's my favorite thing. Uh, these these guys are great. <laughs> yeah, they were fantastic. I really like both of these teams. So they got a big. Uh, hopefully, they get used a lot in AJ. Was this part of the tag team tournament that we kept being told about, or was this just a random match? This no. was just a match. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully they'll be in that tournament that they're on about because these two teams were awesome. Uh, well, private. Pro- Private Party is set to face the Young Bucks, I believe, on the premiere episode of the television show on October 2nd. So, uh, uh, okay. so they had to win, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. But I don't I don't know why this was on the buy-in show, though. This should have opened the show because this was the crowd was super into it. This match was on fire the entire time. And I know it probably doesn't matter as much as I think it does about what's on the what's opening the main card and what's on the buy-in show. It probably doesn't really matter, but no, this is awesome. Really athletic. Set the tone for the night, uh, which, as we'll go on later, became a bit of a problem for me. <laughs> but, uh, there were some great, great, great dives. Dives, not that's not the last time we're going to hear the word dives, but a uh, great match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, this was the, definitely the beginning of, of what I was calling Topes for everyone. Uh, the the entire the entire night. But uh, Scott, what did you think of this match? That by the way, I looked it up. Uh, these match this match went 11 minutes and 35 seconds. So they got a, a decent amount of time. But did they use that time effectively, Scott? I think so. Like, is it high probably to say this may be one of the best time matches I've seen in a while? Yeah. No, I, I I I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. This is just some of the stuff that Angelico, Jack Evans, and Private Party are just really really good at, and the fact that they were able to just go out there and do it is awesome. Yeah, like. I think the person I was most familiar with was probably Angelico. I've seen like a handful of fights. I've seen him live a couple of times. It's like we talk about like all, all the high flying, a lot of the dice. And Angelico's actually, I've actually seen him in a match against Mike yeah. Whitlash back in 2018. He's actually a pretty good, very good technical wrestler. I think he and Mike Whitlash had a very good, one of the better, one of the best technical wrestling matches I've ever actually seen uh, back in like 2018. So he's, he is quite versatile, but I think he's just. I think what this crowd was kind of expected and what these two teams are best known for, that's why they ride a lot of those moves. But like some of the tag team combinations they were pulling off in here were like spectacular. And like, like, I, I agree, I think it's actually the second episode of uh, the TV that Bucks and uh, Private Party are taking part in the, the tag title uh, tournament. Because on the first show, it's uh, the Bucks and Kenny versus Jericho and uh, two mystery partners. But... I think we might have seen later on the show who those British parts are going to end up are going to end up being. But yeah, they pretty much had oh, to true, win. Oh, true. That's right. I I forgot about the uh, the six man that's going to open up the that's going to be the main event of the first show. Yeah, but I like like I agree. Like if you're going to go, they're going against the Young Bucks uh, on like on like a national TV. I think they needed this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Go. We start getting familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that that was the uh, the the pre-show, the the buy-in special. Uh, then of course Jim Ross makes his way to the ring, huge pop for a good old Jr. Um, and then they spend the next ten or twelve minutes just you know making sure to try and sell that show, brother, brother, get those get those pay-per-view buys in there. And then we open the show 
live from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, at the Sears Center. It's AEW's All Out. The main show starts off with SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky taking on Jurassic Express, the team of Marco <laughs> Stunt, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. This match goes about 11 yeah. minutes and 45 seconds. And holy shit, this match was a lot of fun. I mean, Marco Stunt looks like somebody left their child in the care of Luchasaurus and forgot to pick them back up. Uh, and that's not a dig. Mark, I'm, I've met Marco Stunt. He's a really nice guy and everything. But I'm taller than Marco Stunt. <laughs> and I am not a tall man. Um, <laughs> Uh, so it was very interesting to, to be able to see him go out there and be Marco Stunt and be able to be, you know, in there with like these legends from SoCal Uncensored. I mean, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels alone have been just murdering the scene for 20 years. So uh, it was very interesting to see um, all that. And I love that when Jurassic, uh, the Jurassic Express goes to come out, the screen sort of rattled like uh like in Jurassic Park, where like the <laughs> cup of water ripples and everything, just made it like even like even better. It's just so great. Uh, good action throughout. Uh, Luchasaurus is fucking fantastic. I mean, doing backflips and like topes and like, just I mean everything. I mean he's out there kicking people in the face. Um, but eventually, SCU would get the win with a double BME, the best Meltzer ever, dropping poor Marco Stunt on his tiny, tiny little head. Um, but yeah, uh, Scott, I'm going to go to you first on this one. What did you make of Jurassic Express versus SCU? First off, love that name. And I think we talked about some issues we have. One issue I didn't have was the commentary because thankfully we didn't have any Alex Marvez on this show. We got Golden Boy back. Uh, from Fighter Fest, and uh, who was a massive improvement. But for me, in this six-man tag, the standout was definitely Luchasaurus. Cause, like, oh, for sure. Yeah, you look at his gimmick, and like you think, like, who am I supposed to take him seriously? And then you see some of the moves he's able to pull off. Uh, I mean, you see people like getting up there in years and think, are you too old to wrestle? I mean, this guy's 65 million years old, and he can still <laughs> fill his eyes. Like, hey, man, like a kid, like a kid, like a few thousand years younger than him, like. Like it's just incredible how he's, he's still going at this level, but but like in all seriousness, yeah, like some of the, we said about last match again here, like some of the combinations they pull. Like my favorite move in this match was Luchasaurus throws Marco Stunt back onto the shoulders of Kazarian, and then Jungle Boy spins Marco's legs around so he can spin out and hit a DDT on Kazarian. Just like some of the way some people make say that looks overly like congruent. People just stand there waiting for moves, but just. I don't even care because that move just looked amazing. I mean, just so many of the things that they were able to pull off in this were, I mean, just so much fun to watch. Like, like, like you were saying, when Luchasaurus is just throwing tiny little Marco stunt around, or you know, kicking, uh, kicking Christopher Daniels in the face, or throwing Jungle Boy at people, or just everything that he did just looked so. And for a guy who's two hundred and thirty-three pounds and six foot five. The stuff he was able to do, like, so cleanly, too, was unbelievable. Um, Nathan, other than our undying love for Luchasaurus, how much do you love Luchasaurus? Uh, yeah, the moment I heard him, uh, seeing JR say, a boy and his dinosaur and a smaller boy, I was like, <laughs> fuck, I'm in. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's amazing. And then I saw Marco Stunny, he just looked like another victim of Wayne Zielinski, which is uh, a Honey I Shrunk the Kids reference for anyone who didn't get that. But uh, <laughs> but I was just like, holy shit, like what happened to him? <laughs> He's a small man, but he was amazing. He's just like running around uh, like a headless chicken at times, but he was great. Uh, SCU uh, are obviously fantastic. Luchasaurus was incredible. Like, I'd like to see Luchasaurus somehow fight the Ninja Turtles. And I don't know how. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know how you do that, but I don't know how. But we need to make that happen somehow. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this is just so funny. Uh, I didn't like. I didn't really understand why Jr. kept calling um, Jungle Boy Jungle Jack. I know his real name's Jack Perry, but uh, I was just like, come on, stick to one name or the other. Jr. Is that a nickname for him? Do people call him Jungle Jack? Not that but I'm aware of, but, but this it. might be this Sorry, might be a situation where, like, even in WWE, he would call Xbox Sean Waltman, he'd call Mankind McFoley. Oh, okay. This is just sort of like a thing that Jr's kind of always done with certain people. Uh, he'd call Chainsaw Charlie, uh, Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 usually is just something that Jr will do. Um, uh, okay, but the, yeah, the, the tandem offense was really good, especially SCU. Obviously, have some incredible. And an offense. And the fact that Christopher Downs was still doing moonsaults, like that guy's looked after himself incredibly well. But uh, yeah, Luchasaurus was awesome, and he's my new favorite AEW wrestler at this time until we get later in the show where he will be replaced. <laughs> but at the moment, he's my favorite. And I've seen some people like talk about how SE has opened quite a few of these like AEW shows so far. I like they opened uh, Double or Nothing. And I believe on the main card, Fighter Fest, Daniels is in the opening match. And that's all about how they do like their, their whole like worst town shtick at the start. There's just, I've seen some people compare them to kind of AEW's version of like the Outlaws, where they come in like they've got their, their shtick that everybody knows yeah. the words to and they, they sent along to it. That's a really, that's a really good um, comparison. Cause I think, didn't I, I message you guys and said, I don't know if SCU are meant to be good or bad. Like, like I didn't really know. I don't know where they're at. I obviously know who all three of them are, but I didn't know if they were meant to be the heels or the faces, brother, brother. But uh, it was. It became pretty apparent when Lucha, what they call not Lucha, uh, Jurassic Express, mm-hmm. came out. Or I'm just gonna call him a boy and his dinosaur and a smaller boy. <laughs> Two boys and their dinosaur. Um... So good. Why doesn't um, John Cena write kids' book? Write that book, John, and follow me on Twitter. <laughs> He's following a shitload of people every day, so who knows how that. I know, Jimmy. Happen. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking my fucking notifications every few hours just to make sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I, have a, I have an interesting question for you guys here. Like, we have SoCal Uncensored, Jurassic Express, you have the Dark Order, and now um you know best friends that like there's a, a whole bunch of what seems to be like these like little two and three men and two men with, with like a group of other like cucks as their like their <laughs> their like group of friends or whatever like so we have like these factions like a little bit of and faction a and a dinosaur of course um but like we have sort of like a faction warfare thing maybe starting to brew is that something that maybe uh, would be interesting to see them do at this point in 2019. Oh, I don't know. Um, can we bring the Disciples of Apocalypse back? Uh, let us hope not. Can we? Can we make it in 1998? 
I mean, some of this really did feel like it was right out of the, the late 90s. Uh, I think it's good to that they, they've made a point numerous times. I've heard Tony Khan say it before in interviews that tag team wrestling is going to be vital to his product. So I think that's obviously what they're setting up. And I, I mean, why not? Why not just mm-hmm. have loads of loads of teams as long as they as long as they get exposure and none of them. The trouble with these, there's inevitably going to be loads that are really lower card and they're just going to be jobbed out all the time with the sheer amount of tag teams, especially when they've only got two hours of TV every mm-hmm. week. And there is a lot of them, but I mean, they've got a hell of a lot of talent in there and they've got a hell of a lot and they've got a tag team tournament to fill up. So I mean, it's yeah. good for the time being, but I don't know what longevity it has. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to like, establish, yeah, especially when you've got your tag tournament like starting like in the one of the first couple of episodes of your your TV show, though I hope they don't do like do the thing of throwing so many people in a group and like having so many like different groups at once, just constantly going against each other. Because then you do like what they did in like 2015, where they had like like they had Team Bella, Team PCB, and then Team Bad. Like you had three teams, and like nobody, no individual person was getting like spotlighted. Just like here, you know, these these teams in random variations of each other. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if I had to ask you guys for a rating for this first match of the uh, man show of All Out, what would you guys give it? We forgot to rate the last match. We uh, forgot to do Private Party. And, uh, well, see, I was going to rate it, but my rating got into the VIP section, so I can't really discuss <laughs> it. Well, I'm going to rate I'm gonna rate Private Party the... Um, and Helico and, and, <laughs> and Jacko. Uh, Royal Tandoori, which is a nice Indian and Baltian Asian restaurant in Reading, England, uh, which has three and a half stars on TripAdvisor. I wonder yeah, where, the, where all these ratings are going to go. And <laughs> then I give this match, obviously, I give this match the Lost World Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'd give uh, Private Party versus Helico and Jack Evans the Captain America Civil War rating and that had Captain America and it had Iron Man and they'd been in their own films doing good things but like in this film how will they come together and like they're maybe against each other how will this look and turns out they had a really good match and they had a really good fight so if that makes any sense I'm, it made sense in my head and as the more I say it loud I'm trying to think if this even makes sense <laughs> <laughs> Help me, I'm rambling. <laughs> it sounded good in my head, guys, I promise. <laughs> um Yeah, I like I said, my my, uh, my my rating ended up getting into the VIP section, so uh I I there's no way for me to even be able to even talk about what the rating was for this. Alright. Uh, but for the sixth man, I think I I was gonna give it like the Jurassic World uh one twenty fifteen one rating. Because I thought I was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and I was hoping for good things, and I got it. It's all right then. Yeah. That was a good film. You got to see Chris Pratt control it. Apparently, you put Jimmy to sleep. Sorry about that. But no, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I thought I moved my mic away. I've I've been at work since like eight eight o'clock this morning. Um, Poor guy. So yeah. So for the uh, for the six for the six man, I'm definitely going to give it the uh, the original theme to Jurassic Park as the rating. Um, 
And yeah, did did we all give our ratings? I I, I yeah, missed. we did. We did. We all we all had a very a particular theme for that last one, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I wonder I wonder why. Um, next up, and next up is the hotly anticipated Kenny Omega versus Pac, or Pac? Is it Pac or Pac? Because oh, I've heard it's never. Ways. I think it's Pac. Think it's okay, never. so I'm gonna go with Pac. I mean, it's uh, not Pac Man. It's Pac Man. I mean. Well, that should be Pac. Yeah, it's yeah pack. But, it's, but it's Tupac, not Tupac. Yeah, but then he's T-U apostrophe P-A-C. It's just P-A-C on its own. All right, mm-hmm. fair point. So Pac uh, goes up against Kenny Omega here. They go about 23 minutes and 20 seconds. And they play a little game of uh, anything you can do, I can do better for like the whole beginning portion of this match. And then... Uh, once this match gets like truly physical, I mean, it's as good as you expect. Um, hard hitting doesn't even begin to explain it. Um, towards the end, it gets a little bit sloppy, but I believe that added to like the realism of it, where both of these guys were just out there murdering one another. They were doing, you know, dives to the outside and you know, clapping their legs off of the uh, off of the barricade on the outside, which I'm sure must have hurt like a son of a bitch. But then, in the end, after 23 minutes. Pack puts Kenny Omega to sleep with the brutalizer, absolutely stunning the crowd. People were booing. They were they were very unhappy that the bastard just walked in and just took control and put Kenny Omega to sleep. This makes Pac uh, a very dangerous individual moving forward in AEW. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to go to you first here. Pac versus Kenny Omega. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic, and I think they told a good story in commentary, did an excellent job on this, which was uh, obviously that Kenny Omega was meant to be facing John Moxley, and then John Moxley sadly uh, has gone out with a legitimate elbow injury, or well, not injury, he's got something wrong with his elbow, hasn't he? But uh, so Pat coming in, and they really sold the fact that Kenny Omega was preparing for John Moxley, he's still thinking about John Moxley, he did that whole promo uh, to John Moxley about how he doesn't care about him, and. Um, uh, Pack took advantage of that and really showed how great he is. These guys have great chemistry straight off the bat. Uh, the dives to the outside, they look hot. Like, <laughs> all night, people were just smashing themselves off of those barriers. So hopefully they were well covered. But this is awesome, and it wasn't the result the crowd expected. But it's a result that makes sense and presumably means that Pack is sticking around in AEW, and this wasn't a one-and-done, oh, I happen to be free on this day, I can replace uh, Dean, not Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. And, uh, but, but great stuff. Uh, really enjoyed it. I think uh, it to be a we. I think this is in the wrong place on the card. I don't know why this happened so early. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, it was very surprising. Yeah. And I think going forward, it became a bit of a. I don't know. I think the matches were perhaps in a look in hindsight, which obviously is 2020. But uh, I felt like this match was in the wrong place on the card and should have been way further up. But I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it got a bit sloppy towards the end. I think there was that mess up on like a reverse Rana or something towards the end, but uh, then they got it back on track, and no one expected that brutalizer to be the end, and it was, so good stuff. The one other criticism I'll get, which becomes a theme going forward, this was just a normal match, and they were outside of the ring with no counting, no you're out the ring, 10 count, for a good three or four minutes. And yeah. I don't know why that happened throughout throughout the night. There were so many rules that the rest were just ignoring. Well, I think, uh, sir, I think for like, in particular, like, 
when when these guys took like, some of the dives, you could tell like they may like looked kind of like they were they hurt themselves like when Pat hit the uh, shin first off the the ramp or the the guardrail. He, he instantly you could tell like he was in a lot of pain. So I think it was yeah. like things like that. Like they were trying to check that they were okay first and foremost because if like they were too badly injured to get back in, the ref starts counting, then the ref's gonna have to stop counting anyway. So I think it's mainly to like kind of check, make sure that the guys were okay. That's why they wasn't really counting. Yeah, that's a good. But I thought if it just happened in this match, but it didn't just happen in this match. Like the going, like in some of the other matches uh, at times, and even Jr. was bringing up on commentary when we later get into like the women's match. There was a time where uh, one of them got to the rope, and the ref just never did the five count or broke up the submission. And Jr. was like, "Break up the count, ref!" <laughs> I was like, I just thought it was a theme going forward where the refs they weren't following the rules you expect. Yeah, uh, they, they were outside the ring for bloody ages in this match. <laughs> I see what you're saying about the referees. I mean, and these were proper referees. They weren't like even scab referees. Like when we, the one we <laughs> talked about in our Unforgiven review. <laughs> he takes a mask and it's just Tom Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if Dr. Tom was in there, dude, with that luscious hair, dude, I wouldn't be able to turn away. Has he still got his hair? I, I don't. I have no idea, actually. Oh, got, he's got a wrestling school with Kane. Well, I look him up on Instagram. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a, it, was a really, it was a really good match. The only problem I had was um, really the refereeing, which becomes a theme going forward from this point for me. Tom Pritchard still has his hair. I just looked it up. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yes. What a lad. What a legend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Scott, what did you what did you end up thinking of uh, Pac versus Kenny Omega here? Well, did it deliver for you as much as you anticipated? Well, like you said, that was I was kind of upset that I didn't get to see Pat, uh, sorry Moxley versus Omega because I thought Moxley, like while he's not wrestling as he used to, he's still wrestling a different style from most people. You know, on the Indies, so I thought it would have kind of been a different style like match, like having him go up against Omega. Also, we didn't get to see what that would have looked like. And I guess I meant the promo that Nathan mentioned. I watched that where Omega pretty much tears Moxley a new arsehole. Like, just properly, like, talking about how he failed to win the G1. Yeah, he won on his first attempt. And still, uh, how he basically let people down, which was properly going into Moxley on that promo. But I was happy to see Pac back because, like, it seemed to be a matter of time. As soon as we heard the news, like, oh, he's lost the, uh, the Dragon Gate title. People were like, okay, Wednesday. When's he going to show up? And, like, it's just as well that he was available to come in, like, at this time. And because I don't think, because this is basically a dream match, I think, and it really delivered for me, even though it's still, like, surprising that it went on second. Because, like, it seemed like far too. This would, like, it would have been, like, maybe the semi main kind of the spot that the ladder match would be in later on. Like, or, like, the Cody match, that spot. Like, that seemed like it would be much higher in the card, but. You know, like, and some of the knees that Kenny Omega was delivering, like, right to the, or that drop kick to the top of the back of the head, they hit off the top, that looked, that looked really bad, and, like, well, not bad as in it didn't look good, it didn't look bad as in it hurt, and then also we had Pac almost injuring his leg off the guardrail when he had that moonsault to the outside, uh, but also the submission, like you said, like, putting Omega to sleep, and to me, I, I don't know what the submission's called again, but it couldn't be, it kind of looked like a, Almost a stand-in version of his, like the, when he would do like the version of the brings the Saturn. It kind of looked like that, but kind of almost while the opponent's standing up. Yeah, wasn't it called the Brutalizer? Yeah, it's called the Brutalizer. Uh, 
because I hadn't seen him uh, use that finisher yet. So that's, that's probably why I don't know. And I'm kind of sad that I've seen like some matches of that while he's been on these and these the music he was using like wherever he went. Like I'm sad he didn't he wasn't using that music. They gave him like new music for this, but I'm really enjoying Kenny Omega's new music for AEW. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, really it's cool, not bad. Battle mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of the things that starts all then suddenly just gets really epic really quickly. But like I think it's one of the ones like the best thing about this is both guys you could see like these are guys who could be like top contenders to face the winner of the main event, and like so you don't know who's going to win because usually like when somebody has to be replaced at the last minute, the replacement never usually like wins. But like so then again, you didn't know like who was going to win this match, and I was actually surprised to see Pat win. And this means like Mega had three singles matches in AEW, and he's only won one of them, which is uh, surprising. But also surprising, says, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it. Hopefully it shows that like he's not like he's willing to get put people over if he has to because apparently he's also involved quite a bit backstage. He and Brandy Rhodes are involved in the the women's division. Like apparently he handles mostly like the Joshi wrestlers because he speaks obviously fluent Japanese because he's lived in Japan and worked there for years. Yeah, and i i find it uh I find it interesting that like Kenny Omega is like so willing to like lose in these match situations um it, it was very it was, it's intriguing to see that he's willing to do that uh, which another thing that i i enjoyed too was that when people are coming out and their their nameplate shows up they have their record next mm-hmm. to uh their name which and, and it's singles and in tag competition so that re- they're really pushing the idea that these wins and losses are really going to mean something and with Kenny Omega acting the way that he was acting in the ring towards the beginning of this match, uh, it may be interest. It'll be interesting to see over the next, you know, six seven months or so, what the Kenny Omega character is on American television. Um, that's one of the, the things I've been looking forward to the most is seeing how these characters will differ now that they are on American television in front of a largely new audience, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kenny Omega came out. He was he was cocky. He was arrogant, and I'm I'm not super familiar with a lot of his stuff, like character stuff that he was doing in in New Japan. Um, so this is really like my first like storyline sort of introduction to the Kenny Omega character, and for him to come out and be so cocky and then be put to sleep by Pac, it just makes it fantastic. I mean, Pac is like a killer now. Like he is going to be someone that nobody will be able to step to without having to think twice. And I think that's going to be very interesting as far as uh, what we're going to be doing here. Yeah, because um, they, they do keep saying that wins and losses uh, matter a lot in AEW, don't they? Yes, that, that's something that they're pushing a lot. Um, and if I had to ask you guys, for this may be my match of the night. I mean, it's up there with uh, the con- the contenders for match of the night for me. Um, but if I had to ask you guys for a rating for this match, what would you guys give it? Oh, it's a, it's a tough one. But uh, I was going to say, like, I'm kind of happy that Pac's back, but I'm, I'm sad that he, we didn't get him a lot before now. I thought he could have been a top contender. Like you said, he's a killer now. And like if he had Pac as the first like, ever AEW like, champion, like I think that would be really cool because... Well, people complained they wouldn't lose as part of the Dragon Gate as he's Dragon Gate champion. But I think it was one of those things where 
you kind of cared about like the preserving the championship and making it seem important. So you would have done that for AEW title, which you need if you're crowning the first champion. And I'm not at all stalling while I think of a rating here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well, I'm going to give it a Donis du Liban, which is a Middle Eastern, Lebanese, and Mediterranean <laughs> restaurant in Marseille, France, which has four out of five on TripAdvisor. Oh, all right. Um, I'm going to give this match a zesty Western barbecue bacon cheeseburger that by the time you get through it, all you want to do is take a nap because you're so fulfilled and uh, it makes you almost want to just knock out in the way that Kenny Omega got put to fucking sleep. Baby. When he wakes up, somebody better tell him he got knocked the fuck out. What what up? (laughs) What up? World star, baby. World star. I'm going to give this match the... uh... The first Ant-Man film rating, yeah, and that like the director and that was changed, and you weren't sure what you were gonna get, but you knew something different, and it sounds like and you just end up having a really fun time throughout because there was a lot of great action in it, and that was the same this match we had the opponent changed and we still had a lot of great action. It was just a great thing to watch. So I'm sensing a theme to some of my ones. I've had I'm going very Marvel this evening, aren't I? We all seem to have uh, our own themes to our ratings i'm going mostly food nathan is is bringing up restaurants from around from around the uk and uh, you're going marble oh. I, I like... well, sorry what country is marseille in i don't fucking know i'm from america dude they don't teach us where marseille is Actually, france isn't that isn't that what like what butter is like with like fake butter isn't that or is that something else margarine. With an <laughs> margarine marseille is a city and the first rain I gave was in Las Vegas, you American. <laughs> wait, wait, listen, we have an Eiffel Tower too. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to hear about it. Yes, in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, is the ignorant is the ignorant American thing getting old yet, or we... I don't. I don't think it's a gimmick. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? Poor Jimmy reaches to escape goal and punches Nathan in the face. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go back to my private party rating and change it from Civil War to the first Avengers film. Oh, you know what I mean? Or a reboot. Well, mainly because I said about how they'd been in their own things, you didn't know how it was going to go. I realized by the time they got to Civil War, they teamed up before. So um, the first Avengers is a more accurate rating. They're both still great films. It's yeah, and for, for these guys to be facing off uh, for the first time, like. They really knocked it out of the park here. And like I said, this is definitely up there from my match of the night. But we'll figure out where our matches of the night are as we get closer to the end. And next up is the Cracker Barrel Clash. Uh, The thing I was looking forward to probably the most because I love Cracker Barrel so, so much. Uh, It's Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. This match goes exactly 15 minutes and holy shit, was this a, like the best possible train wreck. We had thumbtacks in the mouth, duct tape, getting duct taped to chairs, monkey flip in a chair that lands up on its on its legs, um, exploding barrels everywhere. Darby Allen nearly killed himself. Um, I mean, Jimmy Havoc was just stapling himself. Uh, there were paper cuts. I, I mean, there's not enough I can say about this match. I mean, it gets brutal quick. Um, 
I mean, like I said, we get thumbtacks, tables, paper cuts, of course, Cracker Barrels. Um, And Jimmy Havoc ends up getting the win after an acid rainmaker through the barrel in 15 minutes. Uh, Jimmy Havoc's first win here. Darby Allen looked fantastic in this match. Joey Janela was pretty much on fire. Um, But I got to know, guys, what was your your opinion? Scott, I'm going to go to you first on the Cracker Barrel Clash. Oh. One of the things, I actually wasn't sure if Havoc would win, but he's one of those guys that he's got a lot of fans, but he hasn't been utilised that much, like that prominently in AEW so far. He's been on shows, but he's always been in multi-man kind of matches so far, but this was a real, in terms of AEW coming out part of him, like the first thing he does is grab a stable gun and staple himself before stapling the other two, kind of showing like it doesn't really matter what you guys do to me, it's probably not as bad as what I'm willing to do to myself. Or, like, when he was stuck to, to the chair, yet still daring Darby Allen to jump on him. Like, it's clear he's not, there's not a lot he's not willing to do. Like, I've seen Jimmy Havoc in death matches live. Like, I've watched Jimmy Havoc get Death Valley Darby through a, a pane of glass. Uh, so, like, I know he's willing to do like, a lot. Like, Mikey Whiplash tells a story of a death match. He's the guy that put Jimmy through the, through the glass. And he apparently he had this idea that even Jimmy Havoc said no to so you know like that idea had to be like something problem for someone like jimmy havoc to say i'm not doing that you know light tube up the ass or something i'm sure i think it was like, think it was like a board with like proper like razor blades or something like that on it that you'd seen in like japan like and jimmy Havoc was like nah you're all right yeah i mean i've seen some pretty crazy shit at these deathmatch shows and for for Jimmy Havoc to be coming out of that world and being able to do these uh, sort of gimmicky hardcore matches, uh, I, I've heard from some people already that they they thought some of this went a little too far. Um, I think that it, you know as long as they're not doing this on every show, especially once they hit TV and um, they have their pay per views lined up and everything, I think that they're in a pretty good place to uh, they're in a pretty good place to like if they just keep these to like the bigger matches this could really stand out uh, on the on their cards. Uh, this was another one of my favorite matches. And I think Joey Janela here, like I've seen Joey Janela get Canadian destroyed off of a ladder through a pane of glass onto a like a barbed wire board before. So this is something that a lot of these guys are definitely um, well-versed in. So it was good to see them getting to shine doing what they've been doing on the indies for so long. Yeah, and Darby Allen seemed determined to kill himself in this match. Darby Allen seems to want to kill himself every time he comes out there. There was a missed opportunity where I think it was, I can't remember which one it was, it made him have it, was near like on part of the entrance ramp. And he had one of the cracker barrel ramp barrels. And I'm upset that he didn't go feel like Donkey Kong and start rolling the barrel down the entrance ramp to try and take someone out. That's what I thought he was going to do when uh, Janela was at the bottom of the ramp and he was going for the one barrel at the top. I was like, oh, tell me he's going to roll and then Janela's going to jump over it and get 500 points or whatever. I mean, if it was at Fighter Fest, they probably would have done that, but that was yeah. earlier. I think the problem, the problem they have with the barrels seemed like, um, this isn't a knock on the match at all, this. the barrels seemed like quite uh, flimsy. Like, I remember when Janela was bringing one in the ring and he was very carefully lifted it over the ropes and put it down. I was like, oh, if he drops that, it's just going to smash. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. But, well, they had to be because Darby Allen nearly, he couldn't have made him too strong if Darby Allen was going to do the. Um, Sorry, what's his jumping attack called? That like yeah, jumping ball, jumping, jumping, jumping attack, <laughs> like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> What's his jumping attack, guys? But uh, yeah, the cough, coffin drop. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So you couldn't have made him too, too tough for that. He probably would have died. But uh, the thumbtacks in the mouth was cool. And he taped his mouth shut as well. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, what are you guys doing? But yeah, this was um, this was just a train wreck, wasn't it? This was just three nutcases slamming themselves together and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was great. It was it was a good mix up for the rest of the card, a hundred percent. Until obviously we get to the ladder match, which was a good amount of chaos as well. But I thought this was a good good placement on the card after Omega Packs. You needed something. But the crowd get invested again in because we hear it so often. Um, on like WWE shows where we're like, oh, this is the dead spot where they know the crowd's not going to be into it. But putting on the chaos match definitely got the crowd back invested. And uh, was it the right winner, would you guys say? I mean, like, I think all these guys, you could argue, needed a win. Although I think Robbie Allen like, kind of made a name for himself through that draw with Cody. I actually thought uh, Janelle was going to win because they had a, these guys were in a six, on the losing end of a six-man that fight for the Fallen, and then they had the brawl afterwards that led to this. And Janelle made a point of yelling like, how angry he was that he's now 0-2 because he had that loss to Moxley in the unsanctioned match. So I thought yeah. that was leading to like Janela getting his first like big win because like Jimmy Havoc is kind of almost a veteran of the, the UK team. Like, he's been around for quite a while, and Darby Allen had that draw. So I thought maybe it was going to be Janela's like big moment. But um, I was happy to see Jimmy Havoc win anyway. That was the only thing I would say for this match, uh, and I don't know whether it's just me. It might just be me not thinking much to the. Um, I know it's Okada's finisher as well, the uh, the Rainmaker. But I thought that was a bit of a weak... After everything we'd seen, and it ends with uh, a clothesline. Is that just me being ignorant to what the Rainmaker is? Well, was that Andy's landing on a, a wooden barrel as well? And he's, and yeah. We don't even mention the, the skateboard roll attacks, in it? Oh, there's a skateboard. Fuck. How did we miss Tony Hawk's finisher? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was cool when he got the skateboard out. I was those, like, okay, I know. Those thumbtacks were so deep. And Joey Janela's back after that after that spot. Like the camera closed up on it and everything. Like, holy shit, dude. Like, I don't understand like how he's even gonna be able to be like walking around after that. Oh, he seemed fine. He did that monkey flip in a chair and then stopped selling everything that happened. That uh I, I know you you're not a you're not a big fan of Joey Janela. So if you want to take the floor and air your grievances, this is the place to do it. Joey Janela didn't really win me over in this match for one. I like his, I like his look. I like his entrance. He has really good glasses, and uh, I saw in the promo bit. But he doesn't, uh, he doesn't sell a lot. Like he did the springboard sunset flip powerbomb through the table, and everything like that. And he just seemed fine. And that's one thing that really just annoys me in wrestling when people are, and it's a one thing that really I, I rag on him a lot and everyone knows I rag on Seth Rollins a lot but there's one thing Seth Rollins always does where he sells the leg for ages but he's still fine to do any move he needs to do and that just kind of annoys me but Joe Janet especially when he did the sunset when he stayed in the chair after taking all that punishment and he did the sunset flip stayed in it and just shrugged I was like well fuck why should I have watched the first half of this fucking match <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an arsehole. But he seemed pretty. He seemed pretty good at wrestling, though. I mean, sorry, I, I didn't realize Jim Cornette had joined the skate goal. Hey, I just complimented him. I said he was good at wrestling. This is the first time I've seen him. Leave me alone. 
<laughs> but um, one thing was it. I know Joey Juno didn't he have a really bad injury not long ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it is good to see him back. So I kept reading tweets and stuff ages ago that he might be done, but I don't know if they were just exaggerations. Like I think it was the thing. I think it happened after All In, and like the fact that he was oh, with a leg God. injury, and the fact that he showed up at uh, when he showed up at the rally in like January, and he didn't really have much of like, a crutches or anything. He looked fine. It was one of the things like you were surprised to see him like up and about after like how you heard his his injury went. I think it was like yeah, he landed yeah. and he's leg like bent maybe bent the wrong way um from what i understand it was uh of all the dangerous stuff that joey janela's done and joey janela does regularly he was actually just going to get out of the ring to follow somebody out of the ring and he like blew an acl or something and like it was just like he came down like awkward as he was coming out of the ring and it was like at an indie show a couple weeks after we're all in uh and yeah it was it was pretty brutal looking and then for him to be able to bounce back the way that he did um, and come out and be as good as he is uh, in these types of situations was pretty interesting. Don't get me wrong. I, at first, when I first started watching Joe Janelle, I wasn't a big fan of him either. Um, but then over over the next like couple of years after I first saw him, uh, he was having these fantastic matches and he's able to take so much punishment. I mean, these three guys went out there and just took like everything from one another. And it was interesting to me with the Acid Rainmaker at the end that these matches can just end like that, you know, mm-hmm. and it just it really showed that like one good move. I like the fact that they're putting finishers over again, like these fi- some of these finishers are like more and more dangerous now because it's like you're seeing Kenny Omega get like put to sleep by the Brutalizer. You're seeing the the judas effect being protected and you know like you'll see all these big big moves going on and kickouts happening and stuff but if you get hit with a finisher that's it and uh yeah i mean if i had to give this match a rating i'd say that uh it's just a big jar of uh cracker barrel apple butter and nice warm american biscuits and because cracker barrel is delicious i don't care what anybody says at me, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe that Cracker Barrel is delicious, because I will prove to you that it is not. Uh, even it, that it is not even close to what you were saying. It is the best. It's better than IHOP, in my opinion. Better than Denny's. Way better than Denny's, because Denny's is garbage. Oh, okay. Before I get my ring up, what was hard as I, as hard as it is for me to watch the uh, the paper cut spots that Jimmy Hart does. I love how he did it on official AEW branded paper. It was a big bit of paper. With the words AEW across one side of it. Yeah, I love that. And it was like laminated too when they did the close up. You saw it was all like laminated and everything. <laughs> yeah, but if I had to give us the rating, I think I would give it the, the Punisher Netflix TV series. And that uh-huh. you're hoping with people involved in the platform it was on, uh, it would, that would be violent. And you got your wish, and there were points where you were even surprised by how violent it was, but you were thoroughly entertained throughout. Well, I give this. This is just just such a train wreck of things that you don't think should really happen or be together. So I give this the mixture of sheep's pluck, minced with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices, and salt, mixed with stock and cooked while traditionally encased in an animal's stomach, otherwise known as haggis. (laughs) Sorry, just like you were reading off a Wikipedia page that description. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, I'll give this haggis. That's the, that's the the grade. <laughs> this this match got tagus. Haggis. Because it's the biggest train wreck of food I could think of. <laughs> and I, I, I've, not, I've never even had haggis. I don't even want to try it. It just looks horrible. So. You guys yeah, aren't yeah. just you guys aren't just fed that as children in Scotland. I I thought that was just sort of like part of the diet. Hey, Jimmy, leave Scotland alone. Oh, oh isn't that the pot you. calling the kettle black? Wasn't that calling the wasn't that the pot calling the kettle racist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you racist. <laughs> yeah. Next up is the tag team match where the winners receive a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Or as we in, we with brains like to call it, a first round match in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Uh, the Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson taking on the best friends of Chuck Taylor and Trent, and uh, they go about 13 minutes and 40 seconds. And um, I okay, see, I've heard from a lot of people that they didn't like this match. I liked it just fine. I kind of like the Dark Order when they're wrestling. Um, I think that Evil Uno needs to go gear shopping. At the very least, um, just because like it very badly does not fit him the right way, especially when he's sitting around on all of the 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 spooky like I don't know slaves that they have. I don't know, like they it's weird, like a weird psychosexual thing that they got going on with the creepers, and I'm not really sure what that's all about. Um, we get a spooky perverts chant that breaks out against the Dark Order early in the match, which I you can't argue with that. Um, we got impressive tag team action throughout. Dark Order continues to impress, for me at least. Uh, best friends able to absorb a lot of punishment from the Dark Order. Um, a lot of inventive moves being used. Um, and the Dark Order ends up advancing after 13 and a half minutes with the fatality finisher, uh, which is the gory special into a cutter combination. Um, I think it's the right call here. Um, because uh, I'd like to see the best friends as the faces sort of have to maybe get find their way back into the tournament and maybe try and like fight for uh, the titles a little bit. Um, but then after the fatality, uh, the Dark Order summon the, the the creepers to attack um, Trent and they start to carry him off uh, and then all the lights go out and when they come back on, Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy has poured himself into the Sears the Sears Arena, and uh, we get Orange Cassidy premiering, and he does a tope through the center rope with his hands in his pockets, gets back into the ring, hands in his pockets, and does a kip up, hands in his pockets the entire time, and the best friends hug Orange Cassidy, and the Gentlemen's Club is re re uh, rejoined one another in AEW. Uh, Let's uh, let's go, Nathan. Nathan, what did you think here of the first round matchup here in the AEW Tag Team Tournament? Uh, I thought this match was utterly fine. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing too wrong with it, but I wasn't massively into it in any sort of major way. Uh, I thought there was some good tandem offense. I don't really get the Dark Order. I don't really get what they were meant to be. This was another one of those occasions where all four of them were in the ring at times for so long that I was just like, can the ref just do something? Just mean something. Like There was times where both, on both teams, the other person wouldn't be tagged in, but they would just come in the ring so they could do some tandem offense. I was just like, what are the rules to anything? <laughs> like, it just happened so often. 
and there were so many dives i i don't understand how many apron spots i need on a, on one show and uh it was just an unbelievable amount i thought the best friends were pretty cool uh the crowd i don't really know a lot about them but the crowd seemed to really love it when they hugged so that was great they're clearly over but i don't really get the dark order and the match was just it was all right there was nothing really to write home about uh, I love the reaction and the camera shot whenever they get the hug and it like pans out. Yeah, I always really love that. I think it's really funny. I hated the bit where who were all the things that come out from under the ring, the creepers or whatever they're called. Creepers, yeah. Yeah, it's a Minecraft thing. But um, they came out and did the thing. And then even commentary had to be like, oh, the senior referee can't expect it to be seen to see everything. It's like, it's like 10 men that just came out from under a ring and threw someone into some stairs. <laughs> How fucking yeah. blind are you? <laughs> and it's like, funny yeah. because it's funny because they 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 said in like the press conference really early on in the AEW thing where they were like, you know, the the, the rules are going to matter and you no, know they things, don't, and they this, really don't. No, this sh- I'm I'm getting angry now, but this show show the rules don't fucking matter. There are no rules to wrestling on this show. But uh, yeah, I, when commentary have to start making excuses for the fact that the referee didn't see like eight, nine or ten creepers come out from under a fucking ring and throw someone into those stairs. Or when apparently the referee's deaf and doesn't hear Sean Spears use a belt. And I warned everyone about Sean Spears and we will get to him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought it because I was like, how can I believe that a human being didn't see ten men come from outside under a ring? And yeah, it... Uh, but Orange Cassidy showed up, and I love me some freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. I thought Damn that was right. But otherwise, right. I don't know. This gets the Congressional Medal for partial blindness. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so Scott, uh, we I think we talked a little bit about it uh, while while this was on. Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. I mean, how great is it that he's in all elite wrestling? Uh, it's so really. I remember when he randomly appeared in the, the casino battle royal at Double or Nothing. Like, yeah, that spot with Tommy Dreamer, and then just immediately got eliminated. And I was hoping to see him back, and I'm so glad that he is. And like you said, like having bringing something different like, because you got your your hardcore guys and Jim Havoc in that, and you got your, like your more serious guys and your tag teams, but you need. Guys like Orange Cassidy that can bring something kind of different. And honestly, it's probably the most positive I can be about this whole thing because I did not enjoy this match. Because, like, I mean, this should have been a lot better than it was because this has technically been building since the first AEW show when the Dark Order attacked the uh, the Best Friends. And then they've been teasing it. And then when Best Friends got their match, uh, got their match to get into this match, and they had the other trouble threat to earn into this match. Uh, including the Dark Order, you know, okay, it's gonna be a Dark Order of your best friends, and they're finally gonna go at it. Like, did either player Uno or Dark Uno or whatever his name is, uh, either he gained a weirdly a, a lot of weight between uh, Fight for the Fallen and this, or they put someone else under the math because, like, is it just me or thought he looked a bit bigger in this, or is it something to do with his gear? Player Uno looked a lot bigger in this than he had before. Well, they were in Chicago. He's obviously, he's been in the back. He's been at the, uh, 
He's he's been at the 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 table in the back, just like scarfing down some deep dish pizza. He's had himself, you know, a couple couple slices of peach cobbler. You know, he's fucking. <laughs> He's really in there, man. He's, you know, can't blame the guy for enjoying the local cuisine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not in the best shape myself. I could be in, so I'm I'm known to be criticizing other people's appearances. But it's like these guys just I think these guys were in a bit of a bad spot because like the first few matches have been so good. I think the crowd needed a break. I think this match suffered as a result. And one of my favorite moments is Stewie Grayson randomly yelling at where no bit trenches randomly yells, I want him to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah. man. <laughs> like, I think he's I think he was trying to think, I need to sound evil. What did I say? And he just thought, said the first thing that came and said, like, I want him to die. Like, okay. Right. This was the um, match where there was like four or five variations on a cutter in it. Wasn't it? I think so. Like Oh, I did like the whole like the cent. One of them does a cent on the other. Does a four fifty on the other guy because I like the timing it takes to make sure they don't accidentally clatter into each other. And and it's like as many people did the car. I mean, the fatality is actually a pretty cool looking move. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I remember fighting for the fall in the triple threat, the Dark Order one. Like their gimmick kind of came across well and worked well in that match. But then something about this match just wasn't working for me. How far yeah. out can Stu Grayson jump and still do a 450, by the way? Like, he jumped out to, like, mid-ring mid, mid ring from one of the turnbuckles and still hit this 450, like, flush. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Got some hops. He does. <laughs> he does. And um, I see white men can't jump. It, it very. See, this is what I'm saying, man. This is what I'm saying. Um, I think I think it's time for the athletic white men of the world to really start like <laughs> just, you know, showing people who they are and just stop being held down like as they have been over the years. Um, <laughs> but if I them, Stu Grayson, the Yacht Rockers, it's time for them all to get their yeah. one. Damn right. That is one thing about this show. It's finally nice to see some white men getting opportunities. God damn right. God damn right. Um, so if I <laughs> got as rid of this, like no black people on this show is there. <laughs> uh, uh, no private party. Oh. <laughs> private party. No, on the kickoff. Well, the kickoff. Sorry, the buy-in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Brandy came out later on for a while. Brandy was there. Brandy is out there, and no one can really tell like Pharaoh's ethnicity. Um. Sorry, finally, did anyone notice how tanned Pac's hands were? His arms looked pretty tan, right? Like, it was weird. Do you guys not have sun in Newcastle, or what's up? Like, he seems like he's, like, no. overdoing the cake tan of it. <laughs> no, no, we don't, Jimmy. If it's, sun, if it's sunny at any point, it becomes a national holiday. Oh, that's what bank holidays are. I get it, okay. <laughs> Guys, uh, the sun's a little bit too much out. Bank holiday. Everybody stay home. We don't need anyone getting sunburnt. We don't have aircon in our houses. That sounds miserable. Um, But if I had to ask you guys for a rating for this uh, this match for the AEW Tag Team Tournament, Nathan, what would you give this match? I already said it. The Congressional Medal for Partial Blindness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, what about you? Uh, um... Uh, let's see. I think I'd give it the Batman Forever rating. 
and that technically it's not bad, but there's just so many weird things about it. There's too many weird things to ignore. And I'd maybe say Orange Cassidy is maybe like the Riddler, like Jim Carrey's Riddler. He's the, the saving grace of the whole thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, we're coming off of two back-to-back like intense matches: uh, Pac versus Kenny Omega, and then the Cracker Barrel Clash. So obviously, that this and the next match probably got fit in a little weird to where um, it, they were in a very weird spot, so to speak. Um, so it's interesting to see how the uh, audience reacted here. Um, I'm going to give it a Chicago deep dish pizza. Slice that has cooled because Chicago deep dish pizza is not as good as New York pizza. Yeah, I said it. Come at me, bro. Oh, wow. Really throwing out the hot takes. <laughs> damn right. He's throwing, um, out, he's throwing out some rogue opinions. Damn right. That's oh. what we do here. <laughs> or, or every time somebody says rogue opinions on the podcast, we should just have like uh, the uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like, oh! You guys have already asked me to do a lot of editing for this. Um, yeah, I'm not asking you to do it now. Um, well, we got we to gotta make sure you do some work around here. I mean, Jesus. Um, <laughs> next up uh, is a women's division singles match uh, where the winner will face the winner of the 21-woman casino battle royale, Nyla Rose, for the inaugural AEW Women's World Championship. Scheduled for AEW on TNT October 2nd. It is Riho versus Hikaru Shida. One-on-one. They go about 13 and a half minutes. Um, hands down, one of the best women's matches all year, in my opinion. I saw a lot of people say that this match wasn't very yeah. good. I enjoyed the hell out of it, um, but I'm also not a huge women's wrestling fan. Not to be a misogynist or anything. It just I grew up in an era of brawn panties matches and not great female wrestlers. So um, this match really surprised me. And Riho ends up getting the surprise roll-up pin um, after, like, a tilt-a-whirl sort of roll-up situation uh, and advances to face Nyla Rose. But before we get to uh, the little uh, uh, shooting shooting of the looks at one another that we got at the end, little angle at the end, what did you guys make of this match? Scott, I'm going to go to you first. Riho versus Hikaru Shida. I think one of the things that people also this match is I think maybe the fact that these are maybe not as familiar to a lot of the rest, a lot of the like the fans. They're kind, of, all the fans are kind of new to these people, and like because you, uh, sorry, Hikari, she, what was Rio's point name? I keep for Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida, sorry, it's like I was able to pronounce it a few days ago and then I've forgotten. But like her particularly, I think she was on, she was in the sixth woman tag at the one, but I think this is her first appearance since where Rio. Has had a few more appearances. She's been at, she won that triple threat at Fighter Fest, which is a really strong match. So I think that may have something to do with the fact that the fans weren't sure what to really expect from them because they're still introducing these like these Joshi uh, wrestlers. But I really, I really enjoyed the match, and like it would be fair that they'd mention the fact that they would fight the winner of the the battle royal because I don't think they really mentioned that a lot going into it. So because I think that would have helped like people get more invested in it. But like still like strong like from a wrestling standpoint. Yeah, definitely. I I just I enjoyed the the hell out of this match. Um yeah, I, I can't really say anything too bad about it just because I thought it it was really, really good. Not used to the the level of competition that 
uh, that we've been seeing so far in AEW from anywhere else. So interesting to see what they let these women go out there and have a match that's just as long as most of the other matches on the show. And it, it really shows that they're really trying to do something special here. Um, Nathan, what do you, what did you think about the, uh, this, uh, this women's contest here? Yeah, this is my match of the night. Really oh, best match in the I love this match. Riho is so tiny. <laughs> JR kept pointing out. What did he say? He said she's got a heart wider than her waist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, that was really funny. And, uh, yeah, was it Hiroki uh, Shida? Shida? What's her name? Hiroki, um, sorry, uh, Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida, yeah, she was awesome, playing kind of the big person role, which I doubt she's ever had to do before. Right, She's yeah, not yeah. a big person either. But uh, they showed a great, they told a great story of Riho just kind of going for pin after pin. But every time she'd go for a roll-up, the story was that basically she's not big enough to put enough weight down. And things like that. They really played up kind of how little she weighs as well. She's like 90-something pounds. Something like so, that. Yeah. yeah, she's like under a fifth of a big show. And it's just, it was just crazy. But there were some great knee spots as well. She even hit a finisher, the running knees at one point. But again, she couldn't get enough body weight down to keep keep her down either. Uh, yeah, this match was just awesome. And it was just high-flying. And it was different. It was very much kind of a stardom or a shimmer style match uh, for the whole time. The crowd got into it towards the end, but as Scott already said, they didn't really know who these two were to begin with. But I think they really won them over. And they went with the with the story of uh, whether the story of the giant versus the small person for the match for the match on TV, which is possibly a smart way of going as well. They're going to have obviously have Riho against Nyla Rose, which. My God, <laughs> Rio is so tiny. Like, is she, is she, she's probably taller than Marco Stunt, though. See, this is what I was thinking. I would love to see Rio versus Marco Stunt. I really would. I would love Whoa. to see these two tiny individuals beat the holy hell out of each other in the middle of the ring for my enjoyment. That's really all I want. Is it, yeah, weird that one, is it weird that when I see Nyla Rose beat Marco Stunt more is when I see Nyla throwing Marco Stunt around? <laughs> And I think that'll be the, the, the strength of the match on TV between Riho and Nyla Rose is that Nyla Rose is going to look like an absolute killer with Riho bumping all around yeah. like for her and everything. And uh, Riho's got that like Johnny Gargano-esque sort of like you can knock me down, but I'll keep getting back up mentality. And it'll be interesting to see what direction they take it in. Uh, yeah, I hope they go in a similar TV. direction of a uh, do you remember when do you guys remember when Rey Mysterio faced Undertaker at Royal Rumble? Yeah, vaguely. It was, the match, but yes. it was the match where Ray accidentally broke Taker's nose, but uh, but I hope they go in that kind of direction because that was basically Taker throwing Ray everywhere and anywhere, but Ray constantly getting back up and constantly battling back and nearly getting the win a couple of times. So you're gonna say that you want the direction to be Rio breaks Nyla's nose? Like that's a bit much. <laughs> Just go for it, Rio. You're so tiny. Just go for the nose. <laughs> like. So, I, I thought the right person won in this match because uh, Rio pinned Nyla and a triple threat back at Fighter Fest, so there's kind of a some what? unfinished business. How? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, kind of like now Brett does the like roll up when he's like, like a chokehold and he roll you kick off the ropes uh, and you roll through. Okay. That kind of move. God, but she's so tiny. Rio's my, yeah, and, my as you've uh, update. Update. Rio's my new favorite over Luchasaurus. Huh. Wow. Okay. So yeah, we've got that, and like one of the guys I was watching this with said, like, 
he like he weirdly like I can't I don't know what his thinking was behind this, but he said like so they're gonna have like small EO versus the bigger like narrows and it's better to be a competitive match. I'm like like well if anything that's gonna make the match better because of the size difference. I mean Rey Mysterio had great matches all the time and he was like smaller than the majority of his opponents, so I don't see why size should affect the quality of the match. Yeah, he once pinned Big Show. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was like the the giant killer there for a little while. Like he was always up against bigger guys trying to beat them. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, I think this is going to be interesting. Um, if I had to give this thing a rating, I would have to say that this is probably. I don't know. I'm at a loss here. Why don't you guys go first? Uh, I would give this the Batman Begins rating. Oh, <laughs> and that's a really strong outing, but also with the implications of the women's title thing, you know it's leaning on to something bigger, and also Batman Begins led on to The Dark Knight. Uh, I'm going to give this Ninja Shinjuku, which is a <laughs> Japanese grill in Tokyo, apparently 0.3 miles away from the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building, and it's got five stars on TripAdvisor. Of course, that's because it's in Japan. It's got five stars in price and have six. Uh, if it was in the Tokyo Dome, it'd be six. <laughs> they should close the restaurant down and reopen it near the Tokyo Dome, and then it'll get six stars. Well, until they do that, it's got five. <laughs> it's only five. Um, I'm going to give this uh, fucking a hot steaming bowl of ramen on a rainy day. Yeah. just something Can, comforting and delicious for the listeners I, I started this bit and I prepare for it much more than the rest of the show <laughs> yeah um, it's believe me we know um, uh, and next up is one of the headlining matches of the evening uh, one of the most hotly anticipated matches of the evening Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard taking on Cody with MJF um, Sean Spears ends up getting he channels his best Undertaker here at the beginning and uh, walks ever so slowly down to the ring and uh, is joined by Tully Blanchard, who removes the hood from the top of his head. And we see that he's got these uh, white contacts in. Uh, aesthetically, it looked really, really cool. Uh uh, commentary is putting over that the chair he's carrying is the same chair he cracked Cody over the head with over uh, at Fighter Fest, I think that was. Yeah, that was Fighter Fest. Just um, quickly, just on that point, so we don't want to come back to it. No, it's not. No, of course that, it's not. That chair not. broke. Why do they think we're dumb? Do we think he went to a panel beater and went straight in his chair out, mate? I've got to take it down to the ring in Chicago in a few weeks. Kayfabe, my friend. That's that's why. Kayfabe. No, with Sean Spears. I warned you. All right, we'll, we'll we'll get to your we'll get to your disapproval, um, and then it cuts to the back and we see um, we see Brandy walking with Pharaoh to the front, um, and then DDP joins in a uh, Star Trek uh, shirt. MJF also joins in the scarf and the Star Trek shirt, and then it cuts to the stage and the big Triple H like entrance uh, where. Cody is rising from the uh, from under the stage. He's got the shirt on. That's also uh, Star Trek inspired. Uh, they all walk down to the ring. Referee Earl Hebner joins them out front and uh, says that he can only have one person 
come to the ring with him, which is part of the uh, contract that they had signed on Road to All Out. Um, and Cody selects MJF, uh, which MJF gets right in DDP's face when DDP looks over at Brandy and goes, really, this guy? And he mimics the whole diamond upside down, just a pussy from uh, Ready to Rumble in his <laughs> face. And uh, pretty fucking great because MJF is the fucking best. Um, it's just fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Cody gets down. He gets down on the uh, I, uh, on the ropes. He's doing his little like, you know, smelling the crowd, get really living off of the, the energy of the crowd. And then he just runs in and tope right out and attacks um attack Sean Spears right away. They fight back and forth. They fight through the, um, through the arena. Um, Tully Blanchard gets involved, uh, gets, gets knocked out for his trouble. Uh, the belt spot was weird. <laughs> um, I just want to say that I think in the 20 or so years that Tully Blanchard really hasn't been around a wrestling ring that often, or at least on a cat, like, a televised wrestling program. He seems to have forgotten when spots are happening. Cause he just sort of hung out on the apron for a while. Um, MJ, MJF didn't get as involved as he should have. I don't think, um, Cody takes a death Valley driver onto the ramp, uh, barely gets in before a 10 count. Uh, some really good storytelling in this match as always. Cody's matches seem to be just way, like way above everybody else's as far as like the sports entertainment E side of the business. Um, Tully and MJF square off and instead of like coming to blows, uh, even though Tully Blanchard taped up his hand, uh, they just start choking one another. Uh, like it's the beginning of the Drew Carey show and Mimi and Drew are just choking each other. Um, Arn Anderson comes out, uh, after tanning some peach cobbler over at the, uh, <laughs> at the, the concession stand, uh, and spine busters, uh, spine busters spears like through the ring practically and rolls his fat ass out of the ring and gets out of there. Uh, Cody beats Spears with a disaster kick through a chair, followed up by a crossroads. And uh, yeah, this match comes in at about 16 and a half minutes. Um, because I know Nathan has so much to say, I'm going to go to Scott first. Scott, what did you think of Cody versus Sean Spears here? I actually had a quite a lot to say as well. Like first off the entrance, I'm not even a Star Trek guy. But I thought it was, I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, Brandy coming out dressed as, I believe it's Seven of Nine is the character. I don't know what he's, like, he's on. Yes, yes, Seven of Nine. And uh, I believe it's maybe the, the cards, like, uniform is what uh, is what uh, Cody was wearing. And I mean, I joked to my friends, like, you know, I don't know if a lot of them, like, watch Star Trek, but I joked about uh, DDP's one, like, DDP's wearing a red shirt. That means he get killed off immediately. <laughs> they would have a bunch of like random extras on big missions with the main characters in Star Trek, and the red shirts yeah. would always get killed. But and we we've quite felt bad for Pharaoh because like he's in the return and then fireworks go off and you can clearly tell like he, the dog does not want to be there, and like Cody and Brandy are trying to calm him down. Yeah, MJF had to hold him at one point too. Like. I just, I felt so bad. I mean, even Tony Khan said he didn't like it. And uh, he said that Brandy was like real pissed off at him because it just seems like an oversight, I guess, where yeah. it's just something that maybe didn't. Apparently, uh, those mortars, like the loud ones, weren't supposed to go off, but they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. I do, I did feel bad for the dog, definitely. Um, but, like, it's. said a dog made fireworks. Like, everyone knows dogs don't like fireworks. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I don't understand what like I I wouldn't I wouldn't have brought him out. I mean, I get why he did because he got him certified as a a service animal, so he could bring him into the arena with him. But like, I think they could have done without it. Just leave the dog alone. Why are they trying to make the dog a celebrity? Like, it's not Lassie. It's fucking wrestling. I mean, that dog is gorgeous and it deserves to be a celebrity. Yeah, I remember back at All In, they they put a poll up. Who do you want to see at All In more, Pharaoh or Flip Gordon? And Feral beat Flip Gordon easily. (laughs) Especially if you want to bring the dog out, like, everyone, dogs don't like fireworks. Everyone knows that. Because you get the warnings every year on fireworks night here in the UK, where it's like, make sure your dog stays inside because dogs tend to run off and things like that. If you're going to have pyro, Cody, don't bring your dog. It's pretty fucking simple. Okay, all right, calm down. I know you got. I know uh, you got some like some, some hostility here. Like, um, I was gonna say about the match itself. I thought the match was too shenanigan heavy. Like when Cody and like Sean were like just wrestling, they had they built up some good spots. Like a color message to Randy Orton from Sean Spears when he did the draping DT and then he blew a kiss down the camera. Like like you talk about blatantly like Triple H stuff from Cody was like. I don't think Sean could have made it more blatant. And then, like, what well, I for the Arn Anderson spine bust, or, like, my favourite spine bust of Lamar is still the one he did to Taker at Mania 18. But this was still a pretty good spine bust because obviously it's Arn Anderson. But, like, also the look of Tully Blanchard's face is like, as if they're like, dude, like, what the hell? Like, I thought we were bros. <laughs> the, uh, Kenny from ITR said something, the, the brain busters explode. <laughs> here on here here on all out like like 30 years took about 30 years but they finally exploded yeah <laughs> also earl hebner is the referee and once again he screwed another canadian and yes i'm probably saying this mainly because i predicted sean spears to win but like the chair cody throws the chair at sean spears he catches it and then cody clearly kicks yeah. it in his face in front of the referee and it's not a dq there's like, no rules there's like, no like, rules on this show. I mean, like, like I said, Earl, you screwed another Canadian. He gets, Earl Hebner gets in uh, Sean Spears' face about the weight belt, but then it is so very clear, like, right in front of yeah. Earl Hebner that he's using, like, Tully Blanchard's belt. Who Like, it was so weird, too, like, because Tully Blanchard got up on the apron super early, and then he starts, like, fiddling with his belt. And it's just, I was watching it with my roommate, and he's just like, dude, is Tully going to, like, whip his old dick out, like, real quick? And just, like, what is going on here? Like, what is he doing? And then it became apparent what he was doing shortly thereafter. It was just very strange for him to get up there so early. Um, And, um, yeah, some of this seemed a little off, and it is very very shenanigans heavy. Um, I enjoyed it. But, uh, all right, Nathan. Go ahead. I, I didn't I didn't honestly I didn't mind this match. It was heavy on shenanigans. I don't understand the video package where it's like, oh Sean Spears tried to kill Cody Rhodes. He had to have staples in his head, blood pooling, and then he brings out his wife who was a heel earlier in the night, dressed as seven of nine, and now apparently she's a good person. And like DDP was there for some reason. Uh, the dog was terrified. I don't know who MGF MJF is, but he seemed pretty funny. Uh, so I didn't mind him being there. I'm glad he's got a scarf. And uh, yeah, I just didn't really understand why he's just cosplaying as Star Trek, for one. There's no new Star Trek things out for ages until Picard comes out. Uh, the match was decent. Again, there's no rules. 
Like, unless we, I know Will Hebner's really old, but did he not hear Sean Spears use the belt? It's not believable. It takes you out of the moment completely. And then he's holding the belt anyway, and Will Hebner just pretends he doesn't notice Sean Spears holding another belt. They were outside the ring for fucking ages again. Tally, Tally Blanchard couldn't have got, could Tally Blanchard not take a bump or something? Is that the thing? Why did they start choking each other? Why were they just both allowed in the ring? Yeah, I'm assuming that Tully Blanchard wasn't (laughs) able to, like, take a bump or get hit or whatever. That might have been MJF who might not have wanted to do it or what have you. Um, I I mean, I don't know. A lot of of this stuff came off kind of weird, kind of misplaced a little bit. When Arn Anderson came out and hit the spine bust from Sean Spears in commentary, like, oh, he's come out of here to even up the odds. You're like, no. He's just cheated for Cody. What's yeah. the evening? Tully Blanchard didn't do anything to Cody. Like He held his arm back at one point. And then Sean Spears hit a low blow, which again, the ref didn't notice. And it's just this thing where I've heard Dave Meltzer say that his biggest criticism before of New Japan is that they treat their referees like they're stupid. Like At this point in the show, I'm thinking, why have they even got fucking referees? Like, what's the point? There's no rules to any... And we didn't mention the Riho match beforehand. It was her that she... Um, her opponent, whose name I've just forgotten again, had the Brock Lock, if you guys remember the Brock Lock, on Riho. And she was just hanging onto the rope. And the ref just didn't count or try and break up the hold or anything. So she had to drag her away from the rope. And I remember JR at that point going, the referee, you were meant to break the hold, <laughs> like on commentary. And it's just at this point, I just didn't really understand what was going on a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, but the match was decent. It was very sports entertainery rather than the rest of the matches. So it was good that it was different and it was competitive and everything like that. And Sean Spears, clearly he went and got some contact lenses for his gimmick, which was nice of him. And uh, yeah, the chair, Cody with the chair where it looked like he was going to hit him in the head. I was just thinking, just hit him in the head. It doesn't matter. And then he did. He kicked it into his head. And it didn't matter. So that was the stupidest spot of the night where he just threw it in front of El Hebner, disaster kick, nothing. I was like, I think, I, I was just thinking, is El Hebner, does he have eyes? And yeah, but like, question. like, like you said, he's old, so the, those eyes might be failing. But he threw it at him, did the kick, kicked into his head, and then the match just carried on. I know the crowd was super into it because they love Cody and they were into the story. But I was just there like, why, what, uh, I know it's not real, but can we pretend there are some rules to this? <laughs> I mean, really, Earl, too, is trying to think of it, all the knockoff Young Bucks and Cody merch he was going to sell after the show. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. So, this was just, it, it, was, it was fun, but fun in a dumb way, where I didn't mind watching it, but it was stupid. Well, that was yeah. it. <laughs> and if I had to ask you guys for a rating for uh, Cody versus Sean Spears, I just want to hear what Nathan has to say again. But... Oh, okay. There was once a <laughs> there was a store in Thailand once, which was a KFC knockoff, and it was branded as KFC, and there was a court case about it because instead of Colonel Sanders, they had the face of Hitler. <laughs> And just, oh, just for dude. reference points, guys, I'm not making this up. This was a real thing. <laughs> what was uh, it, clan, so, clan fried chicken? 
I can't remember what it was called, but it was called something. But instead of Colonel Sanders, they had the face of Hitler. And uh, yeah, and there was a court case about it where KFC had to like sue them and then they changed the name and stuff like that. I give it that because it's stupid and unnecessary, but I bet the chicken was good, which is why this match was stupid but unnecessary, but the wrestling was good. Okay, very good, very good. Scott? Uh, I would give this the... Uh... I'll, I'll give it the the bat. No, I'm trying to think of something to like fit in Wallace shenanigans. I'll give it the Amazing Spider-Man two rating, and that like they were so focused on like shenanigans, including so much so much in the match that at times it really took you out of it, and it didn't seem like anything made sense. Rules help control the fun, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let's let's remember that. Um, I'm going to give this the elusive, the ever wonderful Big Mac with no meat on it situation. Uh, <laughs> not Big Mac with no meat on it. Uh, it's it's not exactly what you ordered, uh, but you know, still effective either way. Um, next up, our penultimate match of the evening the escalera de la muerte for the triple a world tag team championships thank you very much thank you very much lucha brothers defending against the young bucks and this match goes 21 minutes and holy hell do you want to talk car crash i thought i thought matt or was it nick one of the brothers i thought he died at one point in this match when he went through the one table like face first yeah, that was um, horrible. There were some nasty bumps in this match. Yeah, this this was just crazy. We had a spike pile driver onto the ladder at one point. I mean, these like Pentagon got his mask ripped off. Um, Matt and Nick Jackson both took some horrendous bumps. All four of these men were just kicking the holy hell out of out of one another. And yeah, I mean the the name they they, they lived up to the name. Uh, of the Escalera de la Muerte, Ladders of Death. Um, and yeah, I mean, what else can you say about this? I mean, there were a couple little instances where, and we talked about this earlier, uh, might have been off the air, but uh, we talked about this earlier, where like Pentagon just sort of stood around waiting for certain spots, and um, it just seemed a, a little halted. Um, I, I, I've heard from some people say that some of it was actually kind of boring, and I find it hard to to go against that um this the show was very stacked as it was so you know i mean maybe by this point there's a lot a lot of fatigue going on uh especially after the cracker barrel clash and kenny omega and Pac and cody versus sean spears like all these other big time matches that needed a lot of like energy from the audience it's interesting to see this late in the show what happens when you stack a card like this um this is also they brought it up on commentary that this was the sixth time this year that the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks have faced off. So there maybe is a little fatigue to the storyline. And this is, according to the press scrum after the show, that this is the last appearance of the AAA World Tag Team Championships. Uh, they're going to be focusing on the AEW Tag Team Championships moving here on out. So, uh, Nathan, what did you make of this ladder match for the AAA World Tag Team Championships? Yeah, I thought it was good. It's definitely what you describe as a car crash. Um, also, can't dispute the bit where you said it got a bit boring in the middle. Uh, I'd kind of agree with that. And I think 
this is unfortunately one of the cases where the length of some wrestling shows begins to catch up with itself. And I yeah. think we were we were over the three hour mark at this point, and especially on the day where presumably some of those people I don't know the time difference in Chicago, but presumably some of these people had probably already maybe watched NXT UK or maybe caught the New Japan show if they're inclined to watch New Japan and things like that. There's a heck of a lot of wrestling on this Saturday, and uh, <laughs> but um. Yeah, there were a few spots where, as you say, Pentagon was kind of standing around. There was one bit that was really obvious to me where one of the Jacksons did a move onto Phoenix or Phoenix, however you say it. And uh, Pentagon was just standing there because he knew his spot was to then take a spear straight after. Um, I don't know if him losing his mask was meant to be part of the match because commentary made a really big deal where they were like, cameraman, get away from him. And then people were like surrounding him whilst he put his mask back on. Uh, yeah, I don't, that know, was, I don't uh, know whether that, that maybe that was meant to happen because that led into obviously what happened during the match after the match, which was uh, LAX, wasn't it? Yeah, all three of the commentary members were very vocal about uh, rem- like the mask being removed, especially uh, Excalibur, who wears a lucha mask while he's doing commentary, and uh, Golden Boy, who is of uh, Latin descent. I don't remember which uh, which denomination, I guess, of Spanish. Uh, this was but, really this was really good. And there was some great tandem offense as well. Although one, I can't remember which young buck took the bump off the ladder where I think Pentagon had already lost his mask and he just shoved the ladder and then yeah. he like fell on top of it. And I was like, oh my god! <laughs> oh, there were some really brutal spots, but uh, good action. It just seemed a little bit. It seemed a little bit on a delay at times, like people were waiting around for things. But I'm not sure. But to be honest, it was just good to see Fenix there because I heard that he was injured. So yeah, yeah. He apparently had some leg injuries. Props to him for making it. Yeah, so props to him for making it. But it was still a really good match. But I think the theme for this show, uh, when we get to the end, is it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, maybe I mean, I'm being harsh. I I would I classified it more as like, like as good as you'd expect uh like because like these two teams are so good with one another that like you know it's amazing to see what will happen when these four guys get in the ring you get double frog splash off the ladders to the outside um Canadian destroyer off the ladder through the table which has been replayed everywhere it's all over their Instagram and everything um but yeah uh it uh, like I said a lot of this stuff felt halted and didn't feel as spontaneous did that come across to you as well. Scott? Uh, clearly not, because this is actually my match of the night. Oh, okay. I mean, I helped by investing that. I don't know where we were at in our predictions at this point, but in the other predictions I was doing with my friends, uh, it came down between me and one other guy in this match, and the result of Flitcher Brothers won this, it would have made I decisively won our friend predictions amongst my friends. So I, like, even, like, after the whole mass spot, I was still like, I was like, come on, get up the ladder, get up the ladder. So that helped. But interestingly, like, I was wearing my friend's house. We all watched Takeover, and then uh, in between Takeover and All Out, we 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 decided to watch a bunch of actual TLC matches on the network. So we watched like TLC two, like that random one they had on Raw that one time, because this felt more like a TLC match than a regular ladder match because of all the the table spots. And what's funny is we were talking when we were watching the the old TLCs that about how they compare like when they used when they first started to the ones they have now, and like they don't there aren't that many spots that you haven't like seen before, 
I thought they put like, some really good stuff here, like some of the ways they put like, the Canadian destroyers, and as weird as it may seem, like the fact that you had like one Lucha brother and one young buck looking at each other as they were hitting the other member of the other person's team, like off it through a table off a ladder. Clearly, they subscribed to the method. You hit one of mine with a ladder, I put one of yours to the table because that's the Chicago way. Yes, yes, yeah, the Chicago way for sure. Um, it was it was interesting uh, as well, like uh, like you were saying, where it was like eye for an eye the whole time. Like they were, they like uh, Pentagon's mask got removed, so he got like spike package pile driven through a ladder to the floor. Like the, the, this match was like unbelievable. Um, just those cool ladders look like they had very little give because they did the the pile driver spot in the ladder. Like usually a ladder, you'd expect it to get kind of fold in on itself. But that ladder did not break. No, these ladders were definitely all elite. They did not. They mm-hmm. did not break under the pressure. Uh, I, mean, I think it was Golden Boy uh, said on on commentary, "What is the number of tables that have been used in this match? Because it's been so many." Um, and they they did. They they pulled out all the stops. They did what they could, and despite a few little grievances with it, I I loved it. Um, and after that spike package pile driver to the ladder, the Lucha Brothers win and retain. God damn, this match was intense. But then all of a sudden, two wild masked men enter. Uh, former presidents uh, Bill Clinton and JFK entered the ring <laughs> to attack not only the Lucha Brothers, but the Young Bucks. And after the attack, they removed their masks and the... The men known as LAX are now all elite. They have appeared. Uh, Santana and Ortiz are now in all elite wrestling. Uh, obviously, they're going to be a part of that tag tournament. Probably big things are probably coming from them. What did you guys make of the premiere, the re-debut, I guess, or the debut, the AEW debut of LAX? Yeah, I, I think mean, we're... LAX. Yeah, sorry, okay. you guys got. Sorry, and uh, I think I was say. Uh... There were rumors of those guys coming, so when they seen these mask guys come out, like I don't think you could have thought of anybody else other than LAX in the mask. Although it was quite interesting that there were there were somebody on commentary, I think it was Excalibur, referred to him as the Boricuas. So maybe like I think his impact owns the name LAX, which yeah, you like can't. A, they um they only name LAX, so we can't. They they're not able to use it. Yeah, so like one of the things is them being called the Boricuas, like they had Conan as their manager and Impact. I'm thinking like part of me thought like. Was Savio Vega going to come in now as our manager? They're going to be the new Los Bariquas. I thought that wouldn't be funny, but I think it's fair that, that the the AAA titles are going away and they're focused on their own tag titles. But I mean, it's fair to say, like, I think they're, for some fans who aren't as familiar with AAA, like, this is the most they've ever cared in a AAA title match because of how good the Bucks v. Lucha Brothers series has been. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been incredibly athletic. Uh, the, I mean, I was kind of, I'm kind of in the camp of like, all right, we've seen it five other times this year, like, especially if you've been following it and on three of the four AEW shows. So like, I'm, I'm hoping that the, um, this is when they, uh, move away from it a little bit and start, uh, start doing something different with both teams just to see what happens. Um, but, uh, what are your guys ratings for this match? I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it Fogo de Cheo Botafogo, which is a steakhouse and Brazilian barbecue in Rio de Janeiro with four and a half stars on TripAdvisor. Okay, then. I think, I think it's fair to say, like I mentioned a tease earlier, but uh, 
is it fair to say that these two are probably going to be the two mystery partners of uh, of Jericho and that six man against Kenny and the Bucks in the first episode of uh, AEW on TNT? More than likely. More than likely. Yeah. I think even uh, before this, people were speculating it was going to be them. But I think I would give this, because this is what was in my match of the night, and it was, I think it was probably the best, even though like I love the double or nothing match, I think this is my favourite match they've had so far. So... Being the favourite in the series, I think I'm going to give this the Thor Ragnarok rating. Ooh, oh, very good. Big one, big one. Very good, very good. Um, I'm going to give this uh, a drunken run to Taco Bell. <laughs> this was just, like, insane. Way, like, way too, like, way too much... Uh, on the deliciousness and the cheese and the meat and the rice, and uh, you got more than what you wanted, but you've you've been there quite a few times, and you know you're going to be feeling it the next morning, for sure. But then that moves us on to our main event of the evening. The singles match for the inaugural AEW World Championship, Hangman Adam Page taking on Chris Jericho. This match goes 26 minutes and 25 seconds, and Paige enters on a fucking horse. <laughs> he came out on a goddamn horse. Red Dead Redemption 2, eat your goddamn heart out because All Out has you schooled, baby. <laughs> uh, Jericho enters looking in better shape but still bloated and drunk, um, so, you know, good for you. Uh, Aubrey Edwards uh, is the referee here, and she is, uh, according to commentary, the first female ref to main event a title match between two men on pay-per-view. Uh, Jericho ends up getting a little bit of juice late in the match. Jericho wins with the Judas effect. Ugh, I hate this fucking elbow finisher. Um, to become the first ever AEW world champion. Um, and we go off the air as Jericho uh, celebrates... Um, his win, you can actually hear uh, somebody counting down to when they were going to go off the air. They must have had a hard out at a certain time, I guess. Uh, but this pay-per-view came in just under four hours, five hours with the pre-show. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, but that's it, though. Uh, as they go to fade to black, we don't get anyone attacking Jericho. Uh, just a month's wait until the TV starts. Um, oh, and before this, we did get a promo for their, their next pay-per-view full gear that's taking place on November 9th. Um, so they're already planning ahead. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about it. What did you guys think of this, this match? Let's go to Scott first on this one. Scott, what'd you think? Uh, you guys mentioned in the, the first the match before this, about how like how long the show has been going. I think it was near like five or so, nearly almost five o'clock UK time by this point. I think we're about there, at least after four, it was getting, the show felt like it was going really long. So, so I was exhausted by this point because like I've been watching I've been watching Takeover Car, which was an excellent show, and then the show the show up to this point been great, but I was so tired because of how late it was, and I think that didn't help the fact that I wasn't really into this match. Like something just fell off. I mean, I love Jericho, but he he felt he he was off in this match. He seems like he felt like he'd lost his step a bit in this match. Like I mean, they had some good spots like the uh, the when he flipped over. Hammer flipped over for the lariat over the ropes, and then Jericho caught him with a code breaker, and that was cool. And uh, they did some like some goals and spots, but some fell off. Like the some of them didn't look as smooth as they they could have been. One thing I didn't get is why 
I don't know if this match needs blood at all, and if it did need blood, like, why is Jericho the one bleeding? Like, Hangman was it maybe the face, like, he's the one already been busted open. So, like, if he had Jericho, like, going for, like, the cut, like, the stitches and have him reopen that, that wouldn't make Hangman look more kind of valiant that he's fighting through with the blood going into his eye. Whereas when Jericho won, he, you know, he's maybe the, the heel, that's like, the top heel now that he's got the belt. He looked like he'd like survived a brutal match. The fact that he was bleeding, like he's like somehow he'd overcame the odds when it should have been like Hangman being the one being the the one that's against the odds. And like I get why Jericho is the champion because you're going in a TNT. You want a recognizable face with your title. And apparently on the third episode of uh, of TNT, of uh, AW on TNT, the title is going to have its first defense. Uh, who that's going to be against that we don't know. But I can see why and Hangman clearly wasn't ready yet. But Jericho, like he's good, he's still good. I think on the mic because like they did a segment after, like on the post show where yeah, Jericho with the belt, just insulting people as he walked by, like you went, hey, screw this guy, screw you, you're never getting a shot. He's pointing to random production people and like, who are you? What's your name? I don't care. And just like being rude to people, so he's still good on the mic, I think. But he he really needs to step up his game a bit in the ring. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That was actually the, one of the first things I was going to bring up is that uh, in interview interview out a character the other day, you Jericho saying, oh, we're going to build a star, a bigger star then. And he, he said this, not me, that bigger star than WWE have made in six months. And I think he failed. And I think part of it is why did Jericho get juiced? Why didn't Hangman get juiced? And um, and be the one valiantly trying to fight back, as you already said. I I think Hangman, I don't know much about Hangman, but he seemed very good in the ring, but he didn't feel like a star at all. And uh, I don't think he did at the end either. But I, if they said, oh, Hangman's going to get another shot, I would just be like, oh, like, why is this guy in the main event? Um, I don't think Hangman got anything from this. I think part of it is losing to a back elbow. <laughs> like and, uh, as much as the crowd seemed to love the Judas effect, like if you're someone like I was the first time watching an AEW product, I don't think Hangman belongs anywhere near the main event after this. I mean, the thing with the back elbow is like they they they've like Jericho's all about how in MMA the back elbow can be a really deadly move. But Jericho's not an MMA guy. I know, I know, but like we talked about like the Rainmaker, but yeah, like the Rainmaker just being a closing, but like when Okada hits it. It's made a big deal because, like, the way that he's built it up over the years and it's become protected. Like, I think with time, the Judas effect can be a good move, but if you protect it, and like, mm. I, what I did, like, I think the crowd, the majority of the crowd on the hard cam all suddenly rose to their feet after Jericho hit it because, yeah. like, all of them realized. I think, I think, the majority of them were expecting, like, oh, it's obvious Hangman's going to win because he's the homegrown guy, kind of, and then everybody just covers their feet when they realize, like. Oh, is Jericho actually gonna gonna win? Yeah, I think it didn't help where Jericho kicked out of the um, what's his made the dead eye. Yeah, yeah, and that look that move looks awesome. Why not protect that? Yeah. That looks fantastic. It's like a obviously a re- inverted or reverse pile driver kind of thing. And um, I don't know. I just after this match, I just thought Jericho. It felt the wrong way around that Jericho got more out of this match. A guy that doesn't need anything. Like Jericho could lose every match, and like it wouldn't affect him. But I just kind of felt like, oh, so Hangman. I don't. 
see how Hangman can ever come back to the main event for a long, long, long time after this match. Because I, I don't think he got anything. He, he couldn't beat a Chris Jericho who spent half the match bleeding from his eye. No, I don't really know what that... But they probably did the smarter thing business-wise, having a name go into TV with the title. But it just felt like the match didn't really work. The guy, they didn't really click, like, at all at any point during this match, I think is the main thing. I think the most interesting thing about Hangman Page happened, didn't even happen on the show, happened on the post-show, where like, he was maybe interviewed by like the members of like the media, and then you had Hangman come in basically mocking him for losing and saying that they two had unfinished business. So Hangman? Maybe, yeah, Hangman and uh, Pat. Oh, Pac. Oh, okay. Yeah, seeing, Pac seeing that they had on this because I remember they were meant to fight at double or nothing and then Pac left, I think, because oh, yeah. it was related to him being the Dragon Gate like champion. So I think maybe they'll on TV they'll maybe build to the two finally having their match maybe at full gear. Yeah. I'll I mean, the other, thing, the other thing for this match for me, again, is the refereeing. Yeah. Like, Chris Jericho hit uh, Hangman in the head with a fucking hammer at one point. <laughs> with the ring bell hammer or something and like again there was just they were outside the ring for ages and this referee my god she was involved in this match but not in any productive rule way she was just screaming at everyone the whole time remember she was screaming at chris jericho like i'm the official and i was just thinking the whole show it's not fucking mattered who the official is <laughs> like, why, and you, you didn't count when they were outside the ring for half the match you didn't disqualify him when he hit him with a fucking hammer why are you bringing it up now like <laughs> and apparently she like obvious she like went to hand him the blade to for him to blade and like you could just, obviously see it but i missed that on on the telecast why have they got referees <laughs> It's infuriating. <laughs> At least I know I don't want we don't want to obviously be the podcast that just goes on WWE. I mean WWE the referees don't have names or personalities, but they enforce the rules. And in AEW they have names and personalities, but none of them know the rules. Like can't the can't the company sit down together and create one perfect refereeing scenario? Like work together. I mean, let's hope so. Just go. We'll have so. your we'll have your rules if we can have your names and personalities. Um. So what uh what are what ratings are we giving to the main event here? Uh, probably the cock and ball, which is the <laughs> most fa- the most famous dive bar in Montreal, where you can get ultra cheap pictures for twenty dollars. All right. Okay. Uh, I would give this the Iron Man three rating, and that like. You were expecting a lot, and you were kind of swerved at one point. And well, for me personally, I'm not in, still not entirely sure even now if that swerve was a good or a bad thing at the moment. I think um, it's the best rating I can give it. Let's see if I've, uh, I'm going to give this one. Give this one a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on stale bread. Fair yeah, enough. stale. Did you get the stale bread out of the fridge? No, it was left out. That's you know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're breaking gimmick, brother. <laughs> no, like I, you know, it gets left out from time to time. You gotta, gotta, gotta work with what you have. Um. So overall, what would you guys give this show as a rating, thumb wise? Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. 
I think I'd give it a thumbs up because I said before that the issues I had weren't enough for me to really like basically oh, I'm not really looking forward to watching AEW like when they go to TV or and like to really put me off watching them again so I think despite some of the issues I had I think I'd still give it a thumbs up yeah I'd probably give it a thumbs in the middle uh, I did enjoy it there was some infuriating bits to it uh, we've not even mentioned the sheer amount of dives out the ring Good God. You mean the amount of dot, dot, dot dives? As there was so many. I was There was not a match on this show where there was not a dive out of the ring at some point. And a lot of them had multiple. Even JR on commentary brought it up at one point. How many dives there had been outside of the ring. Like, we don't need that many. And that's where part of the gripe I guess I have was... Uh, it felt, I guess it's because it's not TV, it felt very indie. Like, if they didn't have the video packages before the matches, this could have just been an ultra-stacked indie card, given the style. And there were so many dives. There were an unbelievable amount of variations on a cutter. Like, and there's just so much of that. But they were still cool, but they just, after you've seen 207 of them, the 208th one later in the card, you just kind of feel like it's meaningless. Uh, but I did enjoy my first foray into AEW. There's definitely areas for them to improve, but they'll get to that in time. The camera angles, I think we spoke about at the end, at the beginning, sorry. Uh, that'll just come with time. They just need experienced camera people, and they'll get there. But otherwise, thumbs in the middle, I think, for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I, get, I also gave this a thumbs in the middle. Wrestling was good, but uh, something just didn't connect some of the time um my opinion on this has softened a little bit in the couple of days since it aired um but you know with there was a couple there was a couple little uh little things like with production and some of the stuff where like people were just sort of waiting around for spots that uh again that's probably going to come in time i'm still going to watch them on tv i'm still very excited to see what they do and hopefully we get you know something that's more polished and something that's going to be better as time goes on something that we did fail to mention though that i i forgot to bring up was uh the promo for wardlow um oh yeah (laughs) what in the absolute fuck is a wardlow and why am i supposed to know who he is and what the fuck is up with this promo and i don't know what'd you guys think i I thought jesus fandango's looking jacked these days Rogue Opinions resident joke sniper Scott McLeod, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that was good. Um, what was his um, name again? Warplow or something? Wardlow, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's a strange name. I was going to make a joke about it being the sequel to Detective Pikachu, but <laughs> Scott came in with a much better joke. I'm, I'm getting the word. I'm getting joke sniper trademark. Getting on a t-shirt and everything, patent pending. T-shirt, oh, brother. Yeah. Uh, pro wrestling tees. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was a weird promo. He beat some people up in slow motion. Yeah, it was very strange. It was very weird. Uh, it and it looked. I love when they shoot stuff uh, with like like fight scenes with like wrestling moves, as if that's the way it would actually pan out. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. It was a promo. Um, so yeah, that that'll do it for us here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, how about we go to the joke sniper himself for for his plugs scott what do you got for us um what do you give the show overall i was gonna say we're we not doing the other things we're we going to do first 
Oh, oh NXT yeah. UK. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very good. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was, I think, with All Out and all that and the New Japan show, I think a lot of people were uh, were surprised at how good a, a NXT or Cardiff was. The best match on the card probably was the one that, that was even announced ahead of time, the uh, the Cesaro Dragonoff match. Oh, that oh you preferred that to the main event? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it was, it was the main but it was like, it could be argued as the best match of the night. Awesome. And it's which makes it like which is surprising, despite the fact, like I said, it wasn't even one of the ones that we knew was going to happen going into the show. That was and, awesome. Uh, was, yeah, uh, for a um, this was you mentioned that match. I was there in the building live, and um, people were live when they realised it was a Dragonov, which I hope I'm saying that right. Um, it was a bit kind of everyone was kind of like oh, and uh, but that guy quickly won people around. Mm-hmm. And Cesaro, okay. Cesaro made him look like a million bucks. Oh, yeah, the, uh, I don't think Nathan, you wouldn't have heard this because it's on content, but uh, first off, when I say, like, I thought it was good that for me it was that four of these five matches had someone from Scotland in them, which, which considering when the UK tournament happened, you had like one Scottish guy, one Irish guy, one Welsh guy, and everyone else was English. Like, but. It, when Noam Dar did like there's a running kick he did in the corner to Banks. Uh I'm gonna call that out that that running kick was a, a tribute to Adrian McCallum, aka Lionheart, who uh passed, the, who passed away earlier this year. And uh like and like Keely I think had this Lionheart Heart tribute uh thing round our round our like knee pad later on in the night. Which I think was a really nice some nice touch. I didn't realize yeah. that. That's good stuff. Yeah, because like, yeah, because like ICW, like all the fans and the wrestlers have been like wearing these armbands and tribute. Like Viper had had it on like when she came out in Plymouth, uh, the last even before takeover. So like you said, like it's a nice tribute because obviously like he was one of the biggest stars like Scotland like ever had. I think. Uh, wrestling wise, certainly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Wrestling wise. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise that, uh, but that's really good stuff from them. Yeah, and I like that Nigel like called it out just to show, to show like how 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 good he is as a commentator, especially compared to that big timer, uh, <laughs> like Joseph. Speaking of which, oh, who's going a, in? Who's going in? Who's going in? I have a nominee. If you guys will let, let me to explain why I think this person deserves to go in the big time and fuck all of fame. Asshole. Oh, please <laughs> let let us know. I'm I'm eagerly anticipating this. I love that this is a thing. <laughs> I'm just worried my thing won't live up to expectation. But if you'll let me, my nominee is Grado. Oh, oh, oh do tell. Oh, yeah. And I know some Easy. people. I know some there will be some people who either know him or watch ICW. Listen, this, I don't give a fuck. See, the thing with Grado is. He's not just big-timed me, he's big-timed a bunch of people. But the thing is, it doesn't seem like a lot of people realise they're being big-timed here. Because, first off, I'll, I'll go back a bit. June 16th of this year, Fredo was advertised to wrestle for fight ICW at one of their fight club tapings. He's clearly advertised to getting people in, but he's doing his acting thing. He was in this play about Rangers, the, uh, the Rangers football club. 
in a range of, uh, some musical about Rangers, the football team, which what I've heard from people who've seen bits of it or know people who've been to it, they described it as cringy as fuck. But because Celtic had their own musical, apparently Rangers had to have one as well. It's a whole thing. I don't, even, I, I don't have the time again to football in Glasgow, but so clearly he's got these outside things that he's busy with. So the advertising of bringing people in, they don't show up at the show. The match that he's advertised for doesn't happen, and they give some bullshit excuses to why he's not there, like the heel promoter suspended him or something like that. And then he's advertised to fight James Storm at Shug's House Party Night 2, which is a rematch from a match they had at Fear and Loathing last year. And by the way, that match had to be second last because Grado had a, was in a pantomime on the same night. And like instead of just saying, like I can't do Fear and Loathing because I'm doing this other thing, they thought, no, let's, let's put Grado on the show anyway because, again, they're just using him for tickets, even though he... And then he, has, he comes up for his entrance at Shug's. He gets taken out of the match because he's still in that musical and they don't want him to get injured. So he gets taken aback, so people are annoyed. But they bring out a guy called Leighton Buzzard, who is an English wrestler that moved to Scotland to a year ago at that same show, got beat up by James Storm. And Leighton Buzzard, the, the night before, had beaten Joe Hendry. And Joe, that meant Joe Hendry had to leave ICW, and also now he's in Ring of Honor. So then Leighton Buzzard came out to get revenge against James Storm. What should have been Leighton Buzzard's big moment, his big weekend to get his revenge on both two guys. I've done him wrong. Grado can't just get taken out and go away and prepare for his shitty musical. Grado has to come back out later on and has to help Leighton. He has to take the spotlight help. And at the end, his music has uh, Grado's music has to be played. And then and then Grado had, I've seen Grado at the most recent fight club and so much has he been big time and recently that I sat in my hands until the, the bell actually rang for his match because I believe like Okay, what bullshit excuse are they going to have to take Grado out of this match? And people are still, a lot of the fans are still jumping up and down when Grado comes out. Like, even even when he gets taken out, when he got taken out of Shugs and then came back out, people still cheered. Like, no, this guy clearly was brought in to bring you in, but still, but didn't wrestle. And now he's just coming to get his his high spot at the end when this should be Leighton's moment. Oh, I'm I'm, not, I'm out of breath after that. You uh, yes. you you had me at pantomime. Welcome yeah, to the true. Hall of Fame, asshole. Are you putting him in? I'm putting oh, him in. You're putting him in? Well, um, that's one vote to get him in. I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. I think Grado, Grado, welcome to the um, welcome to the big time in Hall of Fame, you fuck. In the Hall of Fame. Asshole. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-oh. These halls are ever more hallowed as we stand oh, here before I... you. Yeah, As funny. we stand there looking at the class of big time and fucks in our Hall of Fame, we wow. uh, we got some we, prestigious company: Kit Harrington, Chris <laughs> Jericho, Grado, and uh, Vic Joseph. And uh, <laughs> there we go. Oh. We're building quite. We're building quite a card. Absolutely. But uh, Jimmy, I think yes. bef- I think before we go into plugs, there's a matter of our predictions going to. Oh yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure that the uh, the connection is working out too good. I don't. I don't know <laughs> what you're. Uh, hello. Uh, can, can, can you hear me? You know what? You know what I'm talking about. Yep. I do. I do. Uh, I have now. Be, you've you've taken down the most illustrious streak in Rogue Opinions history. Uh, I am now two and one in predictions contests. 
Uh, and me and uh, Nathan are going to be watching the first episode of Shasta McNasty uh, can't from, wait. from 1999 on the UPN network. I can't fucking wait. I'm, <laughs> I'm so intrigued. I can't wait. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. We but, may end up having to watch the whole series. <laughs> I don't, don't think you have to. It got cancelled before it finished. <laughs> I think they have like eleven episodes or something. Oh, that's ten too many. That is. <laughs> it may be. It might be twelve. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that'll be coming up shortly. Uh, also, once uh, I can find uh, a very legal way of watching the New Japan. Uh, king's quest or whatever the fuck royal quest or whatever the fuck it's royal called quest uh nathan and i will also be reviewing that as well we have rebellion coming up next week uh from the rogue uh retro smackdown series uh, a lot of wrestling on this week so we're uh, i think we're just gonna try and push that to next week uh, i have a big week ahead of me as far as work goes so you know a lot of stuff coming up over here uh scott why don't you as one of the winners of the prediction contest and jokes sniper extraordinaire why don't you hit us with your plugs real quick well you can follow me the joke sniper slash brock lesnar when it comes to jimmy's prediction streak uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me oh i'm loving i'm loving life at the moment yeah you can find me at scumma 1996 you can follow my other podcast on paul's rambling podcast at sp rambling on twitter and we've got a, an episode coming up this weekend where we'll probably be talking all about uh, about all out NHC, which we'll talk about Frasier, lots more. I still haven't told Paul about what happened to Frasier and that sitcom showdown, so that'll be interesting. Look, <laughs> uh, okay, I thought about how I'm loving at the moment, and that's partly because uh, this coming week you can find Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat latest episode, which will be hosted by me. I'll be on the history of my favourite wrestler of all time, Kane, because I would not let anyone else host that episode other than me. <laughs> I mean, they said, Scott, if you're going to host the episode, what's it going to be on? I said, it's got to be Kane. <laughs> it's got to be Kane! Um. So, you know, I, and listen, Scott, I, I hope that you don't catch a nosebleed there up on your ivory tower while you're celebrating. Um, what? But, Sorry, I can't hear you from up here. Yeah, I know. How's the weather up there? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, uh, Nathan, why don't you hit us with uh, what you got going on? Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Nathan Greenaway. Uh, head back through the archives here at Rogue Opinions. Uh, the Naked Men podcast returned last week where we tried to already, like a dog we didn't love, try to replace Spider-Man with something newer and fresher and better. And also we found Ben's new favorite restaurant. Uh, that'll be back. That'll be continuing this week as well. We'll be back uh, later in the week to break up all the wrestling action. Otherwise, myself and Carl reviewed NXT UK. That's already up. At the minute, and as Jimmy already said, we will be reviewing New Japan's Royal Quest at some point when we both get around to watching it, because apparently it's about five hours long. Yay! <laughs> Otherwise, be sure, guys, the link's on our Twitter. Head over to Medium if you fancy some written words constructed into a sentence, as Anthony Fitzpatrick's been writing all sorts about motorsport and cricket. Uh, Jimmy, back to you. Uh, all right. Well, I uh, got actually quite a few 
number of things to talk about here real quick. Like I've been mentioning on September 21st, Pro Wrestling Magic returns to Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. One Vision is the name of the show. We got title matches galore. We've got uh, Casanova Valentine taking on the Meadowlands Monster for the Dark Arts title. The brand new Pro Wrestling Magic World Heavyweight Champion Pinky Sanchez will be there to defend his title as well. Um, it is going to be an open challenge for the Pro Wrestling Magic World Heavyweight Championship on that night as well. Um, and something I've been meaning to, I've been waiting to get announced that finally is announced. Uncanny Attractions, Drags and Dropkicks, Numero 3 will be returning to Brooklyn at the House of Yes the night before Halloween, October 30th, 2019. Uh, I'm not sure where we'll be streaming yet, but once I get that information, I'll make sure to pass it on to you. The show is called A Nightmare on Wyckoff Avenue. Um, already confirmed to appear, your daddy and mine, Effie, will be there. MV Young, Pinky Sanchez, the, the Ugly Ducklings, Eddie McQueen, many, many more are scheduled to appear. Mark Adam Haggerty will be, will be ring announcing yet again. I will be on commentary with my buddy Scott Ceridi. Um, I'm looking forward to it immensely. But also, uh, over on your guys' side of the pond, uh, my buddy Casanova Valentine will be finishing up his feud with Big and Joe over at Rise in Leeds. Uh, they'll be going one-on-one, -on -one, no rules, no ring death match. Casanova Valentine, they're currently tied 2-2 two to two over in Rise for that particular title. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Casanova Valentine re-enters the UK and invades it. Um, for any and, and all other updates, please go follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid and I never grew out of it. So there you go. Um, whole bunch of stuff going down. Please continue to tweet at Netflix is a joke and tell them to put Eddie Pence special on because it's fucking great. And make sure that if you're in the Leeds area, go see Casanova Valentine. If you're in the New York area, please come out and see us at Uncanny Attractions. And I have so much going on. It's insane. Um... Yeah, I think that's it. I think I need. I think I need a nap. <laughs> uh, well, as he says, and has a nap, guys. Follow us at Rogue Underscore Opinion on the Twitter and the Instagram, and that's us done. All out was good. Yeah, it was fun. We're all out. We're all out. All we out. went all out for all out. Uh, that seems like a good place to end. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Are you ready?